What up, Hard Yarns? We started with low energy and we finished strong. We must have had carbs before the potty. Uh, <laughs> yes. Sugar crash. Oh, yeah. Love that sugar crash. Very good episode. I think a lot of people are going to get a lot out of this episode, especially yeah. the people trying to like learn how to run and go distance and stuff Get like healthy that. and yeah. try to find some enjoyment yeah, back it's in their training. It's not just about like the athletic performance. Yeah. It's no, all about general average, health. And your average Joe, basically, yeah, today, yeah, which, which is great. Good. Some key yeah. tips for them. Uh, yeah. yeah, but what did we touch on? So we touched on, uh, okay, zone two training for the everyday person, so how you can incorporate Yep. Zones. What is zone two? How do you incorporate it? Um, how to make it more enjoyable? Basically means we're not going to be fat fucks anymore. Guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, we talked about not trying to out-train poor nutrition. So, you know, yeah. having poor nutrition. Going yeah. to, go, don't go to a gym to lose weight. It's yep. a bad idea. Yep. Yep. Fix your nutrition first and then that complements, the gym complements that. Yeah. Um, we talked a bit about running technique at the end. Yep. We talked a bit about vitamins and yes. minerals. If you're a vegan, what can you can take? What are you missing out on? Mm-hmm. Um, Apart from good times and flavor. Yeah. <laughs> and um, it was just good. Yeah. Yeah. And the guys um, want to put size on. Yeah. Creatine. Yeah. Take it. Mm-hmm. Um, we yep. talked about a few other things as so, well. And just a massive thanks to all the Patreons still. So we haven't yes. got any new ones this week, but a big shout out to all those that are still Patreons. We dropped two. Yeah. Um, I think um, it's because there's a problem with Patreon um, payments. payments. So yeah. if you are a Patreon, jump on, check it out, make sure it's all functioning. And the people are start, going to start getting their merch. Yeah, merch will be coming so after. So to come through. Yeah. And um, we've just bought a switch up for the potty with oh. our first payment from Patreon. So thank you so much, guys. Um, you'll start seeing the video quality go up uh, in the next few weeks. And as you'll well. be able to watch it every week on Spotify. Yeah. Which is going to be incredible. Yeah, that's yeah. already on YouTube as well. But yeah. uh, here we go. Thanks. We've got Corey Green coming up with sport nutrition and just being a healthy cunt. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get hard. Let's oh, get hard. Uh, well. Welcome to Hard Yarns Podcast. I am fucking fat. <laughs> Anything Chris White says, please <laughs> disregard it. 5D is actually a state of being. It's a unity consciousness. That was Hard Yarns with me, Frankie Rose. So I'm going to throw it over to your co-hosts. Daniel Jelby and Cameron Branch. I would do this and then I'd gong. <laughs> Free in attendance for the millions listening at home. <laughs> Let's get hard. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because I, I think Chris came over to talk about a few things. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, at the start of the year, I think, or late yeah, last like, year, last late year, last year. Yeah, yeah awesome. How's okay, what an energetic start, eh, boys? Yeah, yeah. how's the? Let's, uh, about. Let's get excited. We're talking yeah. all things health and fitness. How's um, how's the business going first? Yeah, do good. Yeah, we're really good. Um, in a very good spot considering obviously the last couple of years. So uh, the business continuing to grow. We just had a second level put in. Mm-hmm. Just had a mezzanine put in, but like a little recovery area. Mm. Yeah, so staff are flying. Like I've got the best team around me, which is why we are successful because one thing I've learned in business is you just need really good people around you. Yep. Um, knowledges and systems you can learn. Mm-hmm. But finding the right people is is the key to success. Yeah, so 100%. If people don't give a fuck about your business. Oh, like The right vibe around the room as well. Like yeah. it gets everyone else feeling better. Culture, man. Like culture, like it's, it's a word thrown around a lot. Yeah. But um, the more you learn about it, the more you read about it, it's trying to find the right people to do mm-hmm. the right job and – um, where we all click and we all, it's like a family for us. So it's mm. really good. Do you guys do social events? Uh, yeah, not not super often. We're all yeah. pretty busy, um, but we definitely try and hang out where we can. Yeah, because I was just thinking um, uh, Frank from BodyFit West Perth, he gets me in once every three months to do quizzes or comedy or oh, yeah. drama or whatever. That's cool. They get like 90 members showing up, man. Really? Yeah. We should do like, one for AI. I was going to say. Actually, yeah, because you're you members. Are you your business card? Just <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it just clicked. Yeah. When you're talking about culture, I'm like, yeah, you should get people together. And I'm like- 
Fucking, I, I don't want to hang out money. with people that I just <laughs> meet at the gym, but like F45s are full culture, yeah. the body fit. So I'm assuming your gym's no different. Yeah, of course. Um, if not better, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you've, you've actually been having, uh, like you've got the AFL players training with you guys in off-season yeah, and stuff. So, yeah, it's been, it's been a really good couple of years for us and um, they – those guys are coming in because they're getting results. Mm. So I'm not going to talk about West Coast because I'm very angry. Yeah. West Coast. <laughs> well, you are not associated with them. For multiple reasons. <laughs> I'm not associated with them, no. Yeah. So I can't talk about them. But yeah. Um, yeah. 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 So I'm not going to go down there. So who have you got? Freo boys in? Couple. Uh, yeah. I obviously, we had the guys like uh, Heath Chappie. He came yeah. in the off season. He's a West Perth boy. Yeah. He brought Youngy in, but Youngy was just coming to sort of recover in the sauna and that. And, yeah. Uh, Westy, obviously, is yeah. me for Who's, five, who, six years. Who, who, after the training with you guys and – Obviously, natural talent as well, but like he came in, didn't he come second in the two k or the four? Yeah, 5K? well, for the first years he came, he came second, but his strength data is where he's impressive. Like yeah, he's, he's who going, are we talking about? Yeah, West. Kind of West. Yeah, yeah. yeah, goes into the club first year, um, goes and breaks all their records for their leg strength. And the, really, when I say leg strength, they're testing something for the first time, and he's the number one at it for you know single leg strength. He's obviously been doing that for a long time with me. Yeah. So. But he's been. There's, he's there's been nothing to him though. But I know. But you know, he yeah, puts, but he puts 125 kilos on his shoulders and does a split squat. Yeah, it's just strength. Like, that's, that's, it's crazy. That just sounds like me going for a fucking drink. <laughs> <laughs> just, but he's been injured three times since being there. Yeah, he wasn't injured in five years of waffle footy. So there's something going on there, and it needs to change. So do you think actually without? Casting stones at West Coast. Do you think maybe uh, it might not even be West Coast? Sure, He's been sure training on just, the hard ground. Um, I think there's multiple factors. Obviously, there's a slightly step up in yeah you know, intensity, intensity, intensity in games. Of footy. But even then, like we get GPS at waffle level, and we're running at like 145 meters per minute for a game. They're very similar. Mm. Um, but they might be running a tiny bit longer, but it's not. It's not vastly different. People think there's a big jump. It's actually not as big as you think when you yeah. actually look at all the numbers. So. Um, just might, this, I might, guess just the skill and the speed and the reaction time. Bigger bodies is as well. Like, yeah. yeah. Just, but he's doing that at training as well, hey? He's not doing it in games. Yeah, he did one in a game. I think he did something in a game not long ago. Um, but obviously, had, had Langers come through for the offseason and um, Darling came through. Yeah. Um, while he could, yeah, and uh, yeah, it was it was it was a good season, so a good off season yeah. for us. So. Yeah, sick. So um, yeah, right. But uh, we've actually got some interesting questions that we are very um, interested in. Yes, um, and specifically, so uh, we just we, me and you were talking before about it was just a year ago that I finished the eighty that yep. you said I wouldn't finish, <laughs> or you I didn't say you, you wouldn't didn't, finish. You doubted. I yeah. said you're going to crawl across the line. Yes, and you yeah. almost you basically did. But yeah, and you like were right though. It was never ever going to be my like will determination and like whether I'd have enough energy. It'd be my mechanical failure. Mechanical stress. Yeah, that I, would be I feel the like issue. we've just missed a hell big talking point, man. Oh no, what? <laughs> like Corey was training Jack Darling when he could. Oh, and we've just glossed over. <laughs> I the just whole, did. the whole uh, missing well, a preseason I, coming oh, back. Oh yeah, well we can do that. <laughs> when, I say, when I say train, so like Westy and Langs, you know, I'm writing their programs, so I'm actually yeah. writing everything for them to do in the off season. Jack mm-hmm. Darling's obviously a club program which he comes and does, and yeah. um, if he needs help, then I'll advise and have to advise him on a few things. But yeah, it was. What's your opinion on the club programs? Are you allowed to say, or will you put yourself out of a job? That's why I moved I on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't need the job, so yeah, yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. like I'm worried about that. Yeah. It's um, you know. I look at how things are done and I think some things need to change there. I'm not going to go into the specifics, yeah. but um, overall- Well, isn't that at most AFL clubs? It's so entrenched that they don't want to, or they're afraid to change. Well, yeah. Oh, this is what Chris was sort of talking about yeah. last time, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Chris touched on it. Like yeah. it's, it's definitely, a, um, it's definitely, co- and some people have been there a long time. There's, well, I think everyone has a, an expiry date on their job to mm. some degree. Like yeah. I think as long as you continue to evolve and 
Um, but I don't know what that time frame is. But you know, they've had a performance manager there for thirty years, which is a long, which is the longest yeah. in the AFL. Mm. Um, is that something you'd be looking to do or want to do, or you find your know. business? I honestly don't know. I don't know if until I get to that moment, if that even came about. But for me, it's. Um, yeah, I think there's. I'm not going to go into it, but I think things need to change a little bit down there. Mm. So. Could so your could your um, could your business an opportunity like that comes up? Could your business self run? Uh, yeah, yeah, it definitely could. Like we're in the process now of putting those systems in place. Where um, you know Bryce is a, a, a legend of a bloke. He's been with me for Gun six and a half as years. Well, like knows what he's talking um, about. So he'll be he'll be stepping up into more of a managerial role cool. in the near future. Mm-hmm. Um, so if something like that does happen, mm-hmm. um, but it's more for him to help share the load because we are getting so busy. Yeah, and there's a lot of stuff that goes on in the background that people don't see that takes mm-hmm. up a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you're trying to write individual plans for so many people, like we got. 100 youth athletes plus all the other athletes that we we, we deal with at West Perth and that. Mm. It takes a lot of time writing programs. So the youth athlete program's huge, hey? Yeah, it's massive. Um, for developing it's, the future. Yeah. Um, you know, our vision is educate and empower and inspire the next generation of youth athletes as they persevere for their, their goals and um, on a global scale. So for us, it's about just educating our programs about to be redesigned and um, elevated to another level in the near future as well, which is pretty exciting stuff. So the injuries to Connor West, what do you put it down to? Um, <laughs> I, just, I, just pushing, I know yeah. you're pushing. I know you're pushing. I've got to be careful here, but yeah. I definitely think there's some programming elements that need to change. Yeah. Um, Is it because there's there's overwork? Surely not in this day and age. They're not being overworked. Because it's not just Connor West. There's yeah. the biggest injury list in a preseason that I think I've ever seen. And look, that, that's just. But Freo used to be like yeah, that. Yeah, let's just say the West Coast Eagles have been a good team for a long, long, long yeah, time. Yeah, they yeah. haven't been in this sort of position yeah. I, yeah. in my time that I know. I, I don't supporting. think any club's ever been in this position where they've had oh, injury. And COVID and well, all yeah, these COVID situations. Yeah. But yeah, I think Essendon, like in the late 2000s, had a big issue with yeah. that. They had, yeah. like, they had like 14 hamstrings one season or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Something crazy. Yeah. And I, like for us, like at Waffle, like we've gone through a full preseason with mm-hmm. with 15 more blokes, mm-hmm. with like nowhere near as much staff, with zero soft tissue injuries. Yeah. Which is like crazy to even think about for us. So, so that's suggesting that whatever your strength program is, is pretty well, good. Well, I think there's well, elements to it. If you can compare their all the other testing and it's comparable, then mm. yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, you want to compare apples with apples, not apples yeah. with yeah. oranges. But um, yeah, I don't know how how much. I mean, I get a pretty good idea. They do West Coast weights three times a week, and they'll run three times a week. This is obviously in preseason. Yeah, in two thousand and six, West Coast were doing half weights once like a week. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, classic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, going back to your point about your your ultra. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, like obviously, how, and how'd you go with it? Obviously, you yeah. finished it, and but we, it was so we and we sort of touched on it last time, but um, yeah, yeah, the recovery was pretty as, as a lot harder than I anticipated in regards to not feeling normal and then going for a run like three or four weeks later, going fuck my knees and hips and ankles are still cooked. Um, a few people listening, that's like just how we feel going for yeah. a run. <laughs> oh well, yeah, just, just, just the all the time. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I do have a pretty. I've got a lot of soreness all the time anyway and yeah. which which you've often told me can be sorted through training and, and nutrition and nutrition and fucking stretching all, yeah. all that you know just balance mo- movement really. yeah exactly um but so now i've signed up for 100 kilometers yep. with steve patente another pass player and um yeah he was he was like no nah, we'll just do 50 k's and i was like no nah, i've done 80 50 is like a step back <laughs> so, isn't the human nature so funny like you just want to continue to evolve and just push things about yeah. and until you realize that you should just be happy yeah i've and got no desire with, 
yeah. to do it. Oh man, they invented cars for a reason. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what it is. And I <laughs> talked. Cars, I was speaking yeah. to um, uh, Brian Shields yeah. from uh, Green Reapers yesterday about this, and I think there's this thing in your head that just when you've been ultra competitive for so long, you're looking for the next thing to challenge yourself. And for me, I went to coaching at Wanneroo for a yeah. bit and I didn't really rate that. Yeah. Um, and then the business and the business is going well, but like, it's like, I've done that now. I want to push, I want to do something else. I'm always trying to find something else yeah. that's harder. Yeah. And I think that's just something in your brain. Once you've done something ultra competitive and hard and challenging, you want to find the next challenge. Yeah. Let's make the next challenge get in the podcast. Dude. Yeah, well, that, that's <laughs> well, what do you, that's exactly what has happened. That's why my yeah. business is basically I've sort of almost half pushed that to the side. I feel like I did well there. I've got that going. Yeah. Now this is my next challenge. Yeah. Making It'll this. It'll be a challenge. 100 Ks oh. will be a challenge, that's for sure. Uh, 100 Ks, 25 kilometre loop in November. So you're just <laughs> going to do the same thing four times. Yeah. So that's the thing with loops. Oh, loops are mentally. Yeah, it's so mentally, yeah, that's yeah. where I think the mentally. So I was almost. I'm almost excited by the challenge of doing um, ultra uh, down at Margaret River again. Yeah, because it's actually kind of cool. It's start to finish that's, eighty kilometers. They're the best type. It's like a travel. Yeah, you got. You can't finish till you get there. Whereas that, I think the mental aspect of a twenty-five kilometer loop will be fucking. Well, I did. I did the ultra um, at two o'clock in the morning um, down in Busso. So you run. It's a fifty k ultra on the beach. Yeah. So you basically run from Dunsborough to the Busselton jetty, mm-hmm. turn around. Uh, so Busselton to the Dunsborough jetty. Yeah. No, vice versa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then come back. So it's twenty-five k's up. 25. On soft sand. It's half. It's mainly hard, and there's probably about I'd say ten k's over the fifty k's is going to be on soft sand. That's disgusting. Yeah, it was, <laughs> I hate even running fifty meters on soft it was, sand. Oh, it was it was a good day. Like I I dragged a mate down. Uh, shout out to AJ Smith from uh, his uh, his business down there. Yeah, Smith's Fitness. Uh, I dragged I dragged him into it. I said, but I'm doing an ultra down near your way. Do you want to come? It's two o'clock in the morning on a Saturday, on a Sunday morning. Why did they start so early? Because of the temperature? No, nah, it's a full moon. So they, it's like oh, so when the full moon rises over the water, it's just it's a beautiful. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, mm. But there's water crossings as well, so like you're running through, and at one point I'm waist yeah. deep in water. Yeah. What? Um, yeah. How's so, Tinia going, man? Yeah. So I did. <laughs> fuck. My whole goal was to try and negative split. So obviously you see people run out and they're going out pretty quick, and I'm not sure if they've done ultras before. And some are doing a 25k loop. Some are just going to the jetty and stopping, so you don't yeah. know who's doing what. Um, but yeah, so I think I think I averaged like six minutes fifteen per k going there, mm. and then I, I wanted to increase pace coming back, which I ended up coming back at like five fifties or five fifty fives or something. Yeah. But, but like you said in the ultra, like it wasn't the cardiovascular fitness that was getting me. My quads and yeah. my legs in that last five k's, yeah, like just pounding on the sand. Mm. Mm. Mine was oh, my hips, the pain. and that's and, and that can lead us into our first topic because um, uh, well actually quick with the. How do I best train for uh, like a, a hundred kilometers? Because I didn't train last time, yeah. and Stevie Pretendo is not going to do it without training. He wants to train. He wants course, to do it because yeah. I noticed hips were a huge fucking issue. Hips, joints, yeah. all the joints. Yeah, look, I mean, there's there's so many ways to skin this cat, and for me, obviously, part of it's going to be the zone two, which we'll talk about. And zone yeah, two, yeah. zone two is one of those things where once you get an athlete to do it, they they find it hard because it's relatively, it's very slow. Well, explain um, zone two running then. Yeah, so look, if you're going to define zone two, uh, normally it's between like 60 and 70% of your maximum heart rate. Now, fitter people, it's it can be up to sort of 78 to 80% of your maximum heart rate. So you mm-hmm. can do the math on that quite simply, like yeah. if it's 200, mm-hmm. uh, whatever the math out works to be Is it that. 220 take your age still? That's the that's the ballpark figure. Yeah. You can obviously do testing to figure out. You obviously yeah. can do like a max test, a V2 max test to figure that out. But so in a lab, if you wanted to do like what zone two is in a lab, you would go in and they'll put a gas mask on and they'll measure oxygen um, and carbon dioxide expiration and 
your run coming. or your bike or usually bike is a lot easier with a mask on. Yep. Um, then you can do like um, lactate. So we'll talk about lactate a little bit, but for the average person listening, like zone two, the easiest way to do it is it should be a run where you can hold a conversation, but it's it's not like me and you guys are sitting here talking now, but like there's a bit of, it's kind of hard to hold a conversation, but you can still but talk. You can still do it. You can still talk. And yep. like for me, like it's no higher than 145 heart rate. So I want to be sitting between sort of 135 and 145 heart rate. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of things affect heart rate though. So a lot of people don't understand. Like if I say to my athlete, go to a zone two, there's hills in the, in the run. So they'll, they'll spike. So they'll run up the hill at the same pace. The heart rate might get to 165. And once you tip that point of like, you're now out of zone two into a zone three and sometimes into a zone four, you've almost, you've stopped the zone two run at that point. So okay. you're now changing, all right? The so does that mean slow up the hill or yeah, walk? Yeah, so slow or? your pace. Sometimes you need to walk up the hill depending how steep the hill is. Yep. Um, so a lot of athletes will, will run up a hill at the same pace because oh, I'm doing 545s, I'll just keep doing them up the hill, but it could mm-hmm. be a longer hill. Mm-hmm. By the top, you might be at, you know, 85, 90% of your max heart rate if you're not super fit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you start to change the signaling pathways then. So now you start switching into carbohydrate metabolism and then you start to change the effect of the session, right? So, um, and if it's a hot day, the hardest thing for people is when it's a hot day, that's the hardest thing. So if I know my heart rate's only 145 tops and I can hold, say, five-minute pace for that heart rate, mm-hmm. I'll go out and do that all day on a flat course and it's cool. Mm-hmm. But all of a sudden, if it's a 30-degree day, I'm running at five-minute pace. My heart rate's now 155, 160 because of heat stress. So now you've got a significantly slow your pace to yep. stay within the zone. So there's a few different factors. So, yeah, so monitoring it as you're going is probably the best way to do it on a watch or whatever. Yeah, so I'll have a non-negotiable with my athletes who want to train to do like, you know, triathlons or marathons or whatever they're doing um, is that you need to have a heart rate monitor, like strap, chest strap, mm-hmm. and you need to have a watch. Um, so wrist heart rate is nowhere near effective. And why why zone two? What's the benefits and what does it do? Yeah, so it's cheaper than an all-day ticket. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter what zones you're in. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's a good question. So for us, zone two develops your mitochondria and we've all done sort of you know, human biology in like year 11 and 12. Mm-hmm. Um, but you want to try and develop more mitochondria because that's where you oxidize energy. So that's where fat oxidation occurs. And um, this is like building the size of your tank. So when people refer to your tank – um, you want to develop more of those. So zone two is designed to increase the number of mitochondria, build like capillary density so you're getting a lot more oxygen around. Is this scientifically proven? I didn't realize you could increase the amount of mitochondria 100%, you have. yes, you can. Well, how does 100%. that work? Your DNA makes yeah, so more mitochondria? I mean, I mean, epigenetics and DNA, messenger RNA, like we're not going to go into the full science. And look, I'll be sitting here and lying to say to you that I understand like all the, the chemical processes going on. Yep. Um, but I forwarded you some articles this morning yep. uh, for reference. But the developing the size and, num- and size and number. So the simplest way for people listening is that you want to increase the amount of them by doing zone two. And I think we touched this before that high intensity exercise mm-hmm. is a way to tune the engine. So now you're making them more efficient. So you want to try and polarize your training. So you want to spend a lot of your time doing zone two like 70% and then you can do 30% of like more VO2 max. So now you're doing like four minute efforts, like okay. you're pushing hard for four minutes to develop VO2 max with like a four minute recovery. And you can repeat those processes to build. So if you everyone runs with a watch, it'll tell you what your VO2 max is. It might be like 53 um, milligrams per kilogram. How weight. do they work it out on watch? Cause I did it when I was at uni, we did it in the lab with your fucking mask and blood lactate thresholds. 
Yeah. So how, how does a watch figure that so out? So watch figures it out through heart rate, pace, um, your age, because you're putting all your details into it, right? You're yeah. putting your height, your weight, your age, your sex, all those things. So it's very you, general. Yeah, and it gives you very like a predicted sort of based yeah. on all the normative data we have over so the years. Wolf, right? Wolfies would be wrong because he wouldn't put his age in. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Because obviously as you age, it's going to decline, right? Because you start yeah. to lose muscle mass as yeah. you age. So a muscle mass affects it. So if you have a larger muscle mass, you're generally going to have a higher VO2 max. And VO2 um, max for people listening is the amount of, Volume of oxygen you can hold in your lungs. The the, mo- the maximum amount of oxygen you consume in a minute relative yeah. to your body weight. So obviously, if you want to, con- you want to consume more to be fitter. Yeah. Zone two training is really about getting back to being more efficient. So doing things more efficiently. So if like we do a test, and you, anyone listening can do this, you can go out and do like a maximal aerobic function test. Depending on your fitness, you can do like a three, five, or eight k run, where you might build up to that particular heart rate. So for for me, I need to build up to like a one forty seven heart rate in a warm up slowly. And then I hold that 147 heart rate for eight kilometers on a relatively flat track, okay? And I'm doing the same track, same time of day, same food beforehand, like sort of four weeks apart. Mm-hmm. So I'll go and I run this eight kilometers at 147, give or take two beats. So like it'll fluctuate between 145 and 149, but as long as the average comes around to that mm-hmm. number. Mm-hmm. And my pace might be five minutes per kilometer, just say for example. And the training I do from then on, I might have, let's say I do four runs a week. Two of them might be zone two, because the good thing about zone two is they don't create heaps of stress. Mm-hmm. So you can do them more often, right? Whereas you do a V2 max session or a threshold session, you should be waiting sort of three days before you do your next one. Whereas people go out and they just run. Yep. And they just, then most of the time they're at threshold or even higher. Mm-hmm. And they do it three times a week and they wonder why they're injured three weeks later or they, just, like, they don't want to do it anymore because they've lost the motivation. So, yeah. mm-hmm. But then if I come back in say four or five weeks time and I've done the right training, I've done a couple of zone twos, I've done what, maybe one session to increase my size of my tank, um, and tune the tune the engine. Mm. I can come back, and it might be say four minutes fifty per kilometer for the same heart rate. Okay. So now I've got more efficient. And well, the goal over a your, week or over four weeks. No, over, like you'd run over four weeks. Like yeah. you're not going to get like a massive amount of change in one week. You mm. need to do that chronic training load. So you want to get sort of four to six weeks of training in. And we use and the good thing about that test is anyone can do it. You just need a heart rate strap and a watch. Mm-hmm. And you want to make sure you're doing the same course. People don't don't change the course. Mm-hmm. Do it at the same time of day, ideally, with similar conditions. So you're getting relatively rel- um, reliable data. Um, and if your numbers are getting more efficient, you're on the right track. If you go out and you do it and your, your numbers are the same, you might sometimes get slower. You need to look at your training and, and what you're doing. So, so you're saying you do two zone twos a week and one where you're pushing yourself. Yeah, it depends. Basically. Like it depends how many times you run. Like some yeah. listening might be wanting to get into running for the first time. Yeah. Zone two is perfect to start because it's it's relatively easy. And obviously you start with, we use time, we don't use distance. So yep. we might say, all right, first run is going to be 20 minutes, zone two. Okay, yep. and we'll gradually progress that over time as you- No matter what tolerance. the speed is for that person. Yeah, that like you're just saying to the heart rate, forget what the speed is. And that's the hardest thing for athletes. So look mm. at the watch going, oh, it's six minutes, 50 per K. I'm almost walking. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Just just get that done and you'll become more efficient over time. And I find patience. People don't have patience for these results. They want to get the results in like six weeks. Like mm. it's taken, it takes years to develop a really good aerobic tank. Um, and that's been consistent. So the worst thing about cardio fitness is it has a, has a very high reversibility. So you lose it very quick. So yeah. you can do six, two weeks of detraining. Yeah. So you can do six, you can do six months of training. So, and you can build up quite a decent fitness base. Mm-hmm. And within three weeks, you've lost more than a third. And then by four weeks, you've lost two thirds. So by f- four weeks of running, you've lost two thirds of what you've done over the last sort of say six months. That, that's depressing to realize. Strength will, hold for, strength will hold a lot longer. Um, but like you know, when you're coming out of like a triathlon or a marathon block or whatever it's going to be, it's kind of depressing to, and that's where you, people get injured, right? They like 
four months ago, I'm doing this. Mm. So they just assume that, okay, I can go out and run similar paces and similar speeds, but creating a lot of stress in the system and not recovering well. And that's, that's why you just don't train guys and you don't yeah. you never feel down Exercise and you can eat what you want. And <laughs> well, actually when I don't do weights and, <laughs> and that, yeah. uh, I feel completely fine. But if I exercise, if I do a, like a small number of weights, very limited and like within only a certain few areas, I feel terrible. Yeah. And then if I do all of the weights yeah. consistently, I feel great again. Yeah. But either I do nothing or all of it. Because if yeah. I half-ass it, I feel shit because I'm, yeah. I'm probably out of balance in yeah. certain areas. Yeah, I think it's like – and this is the thing like with, when you start to run, like where you put your strength sessions during the week. So like you don't want to do like a heavy leg session, you know, the day before a run, like mm-hmm. especially if you're getting new to it. So um, just be smart with where you space your sessions out. So for me, like if you're going to run three times a week, you normally start with a zone two, might be on the Monday. You might have a more intense session on a Wednesday and then you might finish with like a zone two on the Friday or Saturday. So you've sort of spread the – the intensity out. You've only got one real hard session in there. Um, and then you can do like your strength sessions on the same day as your intense run if you want to try and capitalize on recovery. So you might do a hard run in the morning. And if you want to do a leg, a leg session, you might do that in the afternoon on the Wednesday. So for me, looking at running a, a we'll, we'll go for the athletic, like competitive side of things first. Yep. For me, looking to run 100 kilometers, doesn't matter whether I run five kilometers or 50 kilometers in a day or, or as long as I'm getting that VO2 max and I'm on. Yeah, like I think once again, it's gonna you're gonna have to increase your volume significantly over the next sort of six months before the before the event. So um, you want to be trying to run that accumulative distance at least in a week. Like you need to begin to if you want to do it well. I mean, yeah, like yeah, if you yeah. want to complete the yeah, run that's what I'm talking. Like we'll, we'll talk competitively. And yeah, you want to try and accumulate sort of 100 k's to 120 k's and at least probably in your highest week. So you might say, mm-hmm. and normally it's four weeks out from the event. Mm-hmm. So four weeks out from the event. So when I'm writing someone's marathon plan or triathlon plan. I get the event date. Mm-hmm. I work back from four weeks for these big ones. And I go, this is a peak week. This is going to be the hardest week of training and everything will be then back. We'll work backwards from here. So this, you might have a, a two and a half, three hour run on the Saturday. And then mm-hmm. you're going to run on the Sunday with super tired legs. And you're going to do like another two and a half, three hour run on the Sunday. So you're going to experience what it feels like to mm-hmm. run with heavy, sore legs and you don't want to do it. And you just want to stop and you want to give up. And so do people just not do the hundred after that? Cause I realize <laughs> I would be like, I'm not doing this. Again. Yeah. But yeah. even so, I'm like, not going to do this in four but, weeks. But you wouldn't but 100 do, is a hundred is like a yeah, ridiculous It's a number. ridiculous number. You wouldn't Let's, do the hundred on the weekend, but no. you, you, you would do like over that particular week. Yes. You would accumulate more than hundred yeah, K. And then, but I guess even more commonly would be people trying to do a half marathon or a marathon, 21 or 43 yep. Ks, 42.8 or whatever 42. it is. 42.2, yeah. Um, so like wh- whether or not um, like they're training for that or that, it doesn't matter. It's just as long as they're getting the cumulative. Yeah, then it's, that, that the- chronic training load is important. So putting two sessions together consistently is what gives you that chronic training load. Yep. And that's what gives you that that fitness to be able to, to, to complete that race. Mm. Um, and it, you've got it, you as a person to sit down, well, do I have kids? Am I working full time? Like what are my available hours to train? Mm. Be smart with that. And it's always better to, to lower the bar, not raise the bar in this situation, lower the bar mm-hmm. in this situation to a point where you can consistently tick that off and then gradually add more when you're more comfortable with it. Um, but yeah, like, you know, nutrition, sleep, all these things affect how often you can train. So, when, so when, there you go, guys. Go to the bar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the best training. Yeah. When, when um, two years ago, I think it was, when COVID was happening and then the, the West Perth players had to train yep. individually away from the football club, yep. I would run with Trent. Yep. And I would I was just following whatever you would prescribing for. Pro- him, yeah. yeah, and I guess it's a general um, thing or, or was it that more individual to each player? No, no, the zone two is, is like – it's. It's you know the zone two run is 
individual to you based on your heart rate. So yeah. like you just say, guys, you've got a, a 45 minute zone two today. Yeah. So then they have one of them per week. Yeah. Um, Cause like five years ago, I was like zone two for athletes is just a bad idea. Cause it, because the more you run, right, the yeah. weaker you get. So yeah, okay. you, the more you run, the weaker you get. You just It's a known fact that you lose strength the more you run, right? The phenomenon is that when you add strength to an endurance athlete's program, they get more economical and more efficient because they're now developing tissue um, tissue stiffness. They become more economical. They're becoming stronger. They break down less. But if you take like a powerlifter mm. and go, mate, we want to run you three times a week to increase your aerobic capacity – they start losing strength, strength. which is yeah, not good, right? Okay. So, but for the footy boys, I was like, nah, they don't need to zone two. But the more you read, the more you learn, the more you do, the, the better you get, right? But so, I've, I found it incredibly difficult to run at a slower pace. Yeah. That was almost harder than running at a, just a, a, like a, a strong Because people have like a rhythm, right? You have like, everyone's like a natural running rhythm. Mm. Um, and then, so like my rhythm would be like, I like running at sort of 450. I feel mm -hmm. real comfortable there. But when I'm doing my zone two, it's like at the moment I'm not really fit. So I did my zone two this morning. Mm -hmm. I'm running at like 535s, 540s. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it's hard to get into the rhythm for that. Um, and it became quite become mechanical, like you, especially the long ones, like yeah. you get a bit sore in your quads. And I right. feel like also when you're running mentally, if you're not puffed and not feeling it, you're like, oh, I'm doing fuck all. Yeah. yeah. And that's, so, that's and you're like, oh, like why? I had to slow Trent down because of that exact Trent was, thing. Yeah, Trent was terrible. He, just didn't, he didn't get it early on. Yeah. Um, and Chris talked about it. Like I was, after the potty we had last time, I said mm -hmm. to Chris, like, you know, what's your thoughts on it? Are you giving your footy boys, if you were in my position now, are you giving the footy boys zone two? He's like 100% like, mm -hmm. like, they should be doing like at least one a week because you're developing the size of the engine. If you can develop the size of the engine, mm. the athlete's going to be better for it, right? Now let's move the, that topics more to day-to-day -day life. Is yep. there benefits for that day-to-day, -day, like for the average punter, just for general health? Oh, I think it's, it's, it's probably, I wouldn't say more important, but for them, it's like, it's, it's an easier way to train, right? So you don't have to go out and murder yourself in a, an F45, like mm. where it, sometimes it can get really intense. Yep. It's not like you got to get up and really try and get yourself into the mode of like, okay, I'm going to go out and hurt myself today. Yeah. So everyone yeah. loves that way. It's like, oh, I'm going to work out and it doesn't feel like a workout. Yeah. That's why your coffee mums go for a walk on the coast. Yeah. So they're, <laughs> they're in zone 1.2. <laughs> yeah. And they're fat burning. Like They're like in that sort of fat burning zone if they haven't had like their muffin beforehand. Yeah, yeah. You know, but if they're going out and just doing a walk on the coast. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for, for the everyday person, it's it's lower risk of injury. Mm -hmm. So that's a, that's a massive win. Yep. It's easy easier to do, mm -hmm. okay? You can do it with a friend because you should be able to hold a conversation. So you can grab, drag someone along with you. Um, fuck. <laughs> no friends. <laughs> no friends. <laughs> Captain, no mates. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then that's the thing you want to try and, I think dragging someone along with you is really important, but understanding that if you come to a hill, it's a hot day, you're going to have to slow your pace. Mm, so, cool. uh, and that's the, that's probably the ego check in everyone. Yeah, ego, yeah. It's the same with me. Like it's, it's hard to do it early on. Mm. But when you understand, like now I actually look forward to my zone twos because the hard sessions, when because the hard sessions should be hard. Like mm. when you're doing a lot of zone two and you, then you get to your hard sessions, they should be really hard. Yeah. Like you're hitting VO two, your heart rate's up around 175, 180. They're, they're repeat efforts with like sort of short breaks. So like a good VO two session for us on the bike would be like yep. four minutes going like, like full tilt yep. with like a two minute recovery. So very small recovery. Yep. Same. So my run V2 sets are 1K repeat efforts. Okay. So when I'm fit, they're like around 340, which is not super fast, but they're still quick for me. Yep. Um, being how heavy I am. So 340 to 345, my 1K repeats mm -hmm. with a 200 meter slow jog in between. And 200 meters goes pretty quick. It goes in like- That's super fast for me, bro. Yeah. yeah. So that's when you fit. Like now it'd be like yeah. four minute pace. I do like a four minute K. 200 meter walk and I repeat those. And obviously as you get fitter, you build up, you might start at three of those. Well, week two, you go four and you might hold four for the third week and you might come down for the, the fourth week as a recovery week. And you yep. just gradually build on that. And yep. 
That's a really good example of a V2 set. So, um, can, oh, hang on yeah. a sec. Tex, can we p- just press pause on that? It's hell door in my head, isn't it? it it's distracting me from what Corey's saying. Oh, okay. Um, um, but what about with your cross training? Or is this just pure running training? Like, no, no. You're doing zone two. Would you then do maybe a, a I know you hate F45, but like a hit session for the hard one where your heart rate's gone fucking bananas with low rest? Yep. Or. Yeah, so and the good thing about heart rate is it, it's not biased, right? So you can mm. do it, you can do it on a cross trainer if you want if that's your, if that way you're inclined. If you want to do it on a bike, you're not on a bike. Swimming is obviously a pretty good low impact activity for people, Fuck even so though I hate worry. it so much. Hate yeah, it. Oh, no, I hate the swimming the passion. I so notice the difference when I'm swimming. Yeah, Lung capacity in and and also when you swim and then you run, like there's not much transfer in terms of the sports, but you generally feel a lot better if you're swimming and running at the same time. But yeah, like back to your point. Mm. If you're doing an F45 or a CrossFit sort of session or you're at one of those facilities, yeah, mm. doing that two of those a week. You know, those facilities, what I don't like about them is that they're doing that stuff every, every single day, day yeah. which is a problem, which is why people always get injured, which is why we get 95% of you blokes coming back and girls yeah. coming back to us. We've got to fix you now, right? So you've been doing high intense activity day in, day out for you know, however long. And depending on your genetics, how old you are, how, how well you recover will mm. depend on when you break. Because you will break. Mm. It's just more of a matter of time to yep. when. So... <laughs> That's where, you know, if you're doing, if you're an F45 member or a CrossFit member, I love those concepts, by the way. I'm not saying the concepts aren't great. It's just yeah. sometimes how they're, you know, applied to people, especially like people who don't move well, who mm. sit down all day. Individuals. Um, so I'll be doing like, you know, two, maybe, maybe maximum three of those per week. And then you'd supplement that with like some zone two like running or yeah. a bike or swim or whatever. Because yeah. that's yeah. what I found um, when I lost all that weight, it was good. Mm. But then maintaining mentally, I'm gone. So oh, I want a, new, want a new challenge. But also, like, you have to go in there with a bit of knowledge. Otherwise, every day is just a full-on fucking, yeah. like, hit session. But yesterday was weights and it was not maxing out or anything. So I just fucking ignored the clock. Yeah. Just did my reps. Did your reps. Low heart rate. Yep. Took it easy and lifted a bit heavier rather perfect. than going. Doosh, doosh, doosh. Yeah, no, perfect. And that's so, and that's when if you get a good program that understands human physiology, because that's that's the premise of this, right? If you understand how the human body works mm-hmm. with nutrition and exercise, you can then look look across the week and go, well, if you're given two people, if you're given multiple sessions back to back, right, with high intensity, now you're suppressing the immune system. Mm-hmm. Now you're more susceptible to being sick, which is why people are more run down. Fitter athletes are more susceptible to being sick because they take in more pathogens, they're, they're fitter, their aerobic capacity is higher um, and they're under a, a more stress. But when you're training sort of, so I wrote my first Ironman plan mm-hmm. uh, four or five years ago and I was cooked in the first three weeks mm. because I'm a strength coach going, all right, I need to really improve my VO2 max. Yeah. So I'm doing like three VO2 max sessions a week and then through practice and I, I've got the master's degree, I've got all the experience and all the knowledge in that regard and I'm still making mistakes. Mm-hmm. And then when I learn more and read more about the sport and I get a, a coach who then is programming for me, I'm looking at his going, oh, well, he's got like 80% of my weeks is zone two. It's time consuming for us obviously, but, um, and you know, I'm not getting injured. I'm running, I've gone from running three times a week to six times a week um, mm-hmm. and not breaking down. So you've got to ask yourself, what do you want to do? And it's very demoralizing to people when they do get injured because now they want to train because they want to be healthier. Mm. They want yeah. to be fit and then you're injured, you can't do anything. Because so. the general health as well, I think, is um, – because we're not just talking about like – we are talking about elite athletes and like training for competitive reasons, but also just for general health and just being f- feeling better. 
I oh. feel like this is the this is the vehicle we're given to fucking last, you know, seventy years. Why not yeah. make it as comfortable as possible? Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, like, I wake up with hip pain, back pain every morning. Go to bed with hip pain, back pain every morning. And look, everyone's situation is different. Like, we could go through and scr- you've yeah. got history of footy, and <laughs> yep. but if you're someone who hasn't played a contact sport for a long period of time, like, and you're getting sore, mm. yeah, there's probably some movement deficiencies there. You got to figure out what they are. So go see someone to to sort that out. Mm-hmm. Because if you impacting or you're, you're piling on volume and stress to a, to a foundation that's already broken, you're going to break down pretty quick. So for the, but the everyday person, mate, zone two is by far one of the best things you can do because one, it's it's motivating. You can get up and do it. And like you said, you're not going out grinding mm. every single session and you're like, oh, I've got to do this again today. Like make it enjoyable. Like meet your friend for it. Like run to your friend's house and have a coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, get them to drive you home or yeah, you and your mate might run along the coast. Um, and we live, if we're blessed to live here on, yeah, West yeah. Coast. Uh, yeah. We are off shoreline's amazing. You get coffee spots. Yep. Mate, your mate down there. One of my things me and my That's mate what, do. Yep. Oh, me yeah. Richo do. We'll go for a run along the coast. Um, sometimes we do efforts or zone two. Yep. We might run for a couple of hours and yep. then jump in the water. Yep. And then go get a coffee. Like it's just just make it mate, enjoyable. It's me, uh, oh, you you would know them. Me, Teddy, Timmy yep. Guada, Strikey, uh, a, a group of past players at West Perth. We don't see each other enough anymore. So uh, about three months ago, we. Created a, a run club. Yep. Every Friday morning, five thirty, we made it voyage. Yep. Run up the coast. We do maybe five k's. It's more of an excuse to catch up and just yeah. have a coffee. But yeah. and then we go for a swim after. It's fucking <laughs> freezing at the moment. <laughs> Jesus Christ! But yeah. yeah, it's good, and I like it. I like that sort of camaraderie and stuff. Yeah. But or like you just like me. We not many mates. Um, <laughs> Come. They're all married. They got kids, and and you just put on a podcast, and <laughs> and you can start back from episode one of the Hard Yarns podcast, <laughs> <laughs> and you can run for what, about. What number is this, by the way? 119. Wow. So you've plus got the couple of um, like we've done a live episode we never aired, uh, two live episodes we never aired, um, and then one we lost with Joel Kelly. Yeah. yeah right. So we get so about 450 hours if you want to go for a big run. Yes. Um, <laughs> otherwise, that's one thing I like as well. Like, there's so many things you can do while you're running to try and lower your heart rate. And mm. nasal, nasal breathing is one of those things. So okay. Like I'm very particular with my heart rate and my zones and stuff. So when I'm running and I start to see my heart rate climb, I'll just mm-hmm. go back and sort of nasal breathing. Is like that, that because you're bringing in more oxygen through that? Way? No, it's, it's partly to do with like the the air coming in is warmer, so there's a lot less uh, metabolic process going on to try and cool it down. Um, okay. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. It's cool down, sorry. And then um, it's also diaphragmatic breathing is is way better for you and chest breathing where you, you, know, you die, your chest is lifting up when you're breathing is like a stressful type of breathing. I so think that's what they, they do in, um, in meditation as well, like the – for that specific reason, I don't guess. To yeah, make you feel well, and more you can lower your heart rate by yeah. doing that. Well, um, so in and out through the nose only. Yeah, correct. Now it's harder than it sounds. Like it's oh bloody oath! After a big weekend, some <laughs> of us can't get anything up but our that, nose. That's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's sort of in your mouth, out your mouth type of breathing is is quite stressful. Yeah. Um, so you're trying to lower your so your sympathetic and your parasympathetic nerve system. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, parasympathetic being like the rest and digest. Like you want to try and slow the system down. That's sort of nasal breathing, belly breathing. Yep. So if you can try and practice that while you're running, that's, that's a really good one yeah. to do as well. So. Isn't that counterintuitive if you're trying to slow your system down but you're trying to make your system – Fitter. Fitter. Yeah, so it is, there's a lot of things that are in science that are counterintuitive. Mm. Um, but, yeah, that's definitely one of them. So, yeah. Um, But, yeah, you want to try and 
reduce the heart rate while you're running to mm. um, stay in that zone as well. But the podcast and listening to music when you're running, yeah. like just <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I've done that and listened to Pendulum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fuck me, I didn't even realize that yeah. I'd run like four fifteen pace. Oh fuck, I was yeah. trying to run like five thirties. Yeah, just and, just there's a, and, there's a, and there's a lot of research <laughs> showing that what you listen to can dictate your pace as well. So yeah. if you listen to a podcast, like these ones are quite boring at the hard yarn. So yeah, yeah. If, I, <laughs> if I want to run slow, get my heart rate low, I'll, I'll right. put a podcast on because you yeah. sort of zone out thinking about what they're talking about. Yeah, yeah. And your perception of the run is a lot easier. Yes. But when you're just in your own head, like when you're doing loops, like 25K loops, yep. you're talking about, they're horrendous. Yes. yes. So that's going to challenge. Can you wear- Are you allowed to wear headphones? Yeah, 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 yeah. I wore he So I actually, in that run, I didn't wear, I had like a group of people I was running with the first 20-ish, uh, 25Ks. Yeah. And so I didn't put headphones in. Um, I tried to go as long as I could because I downloaded headphone uh, podcasts, so yeah. I wasn't using battery of, of streaming. Yeah. I used cord headphones because yeah, I didn't want to cool. use Bluetooth for the, the b battery life. Yeah. I knew, knew I only had one charge. Um, but I, I once I started listening to the podcasts, yeah. I was like, this is – Easy. I'm just zoning out. And just, it wasn't easy, but like you know, it was just like uh, you're zoning too. I was uh, zoning too. Yeah. Two. And just on a side note, if you really want to get like in the weeds with zone two, mm -hmm. Peter Atia does a podcast called The Drive, and episode two hundred one, he does like a, it's a three hour podcast. Zone two hundred one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. It's two hundred one episode yep. number two hundred one. Uh, but he does like a three-hour in-depth dive with a dude who's like like the freak of like work with Tour de France cyclists. We're not going to go into the whole drug thing, but yeah. he talks about the metabolic pathways of how to develop uh, mitochondria in zone yeah. two. So if you really get like right in there, the yeah. first like 45 minutes is pretty hard to listen to because it's very sciencey about cyclists, but then he gets into like defining what zone two is and you're going to lactate. So lactate something we're starting to use at AI now. We've just got a, um, a lactate reader. So What's well, lactate? What, what was the name of the podcast again for people that want to- The Drive. The Peter, Drive. Yeah, The Drive by Peter Atia. He's, yep. a, he's Peter an MD. Peter Atia? Peter Atia with an A. A-T-A. Um, he is a, he's, a, he's an MD. He's a doctor. Okay. Uh, he's done like keto and high carb and low carb and mm -hmm. that's that's another topic. But uh, he gets this guy on who's just been in cycling for 30 years and mm -hmm. he's just all about the numbers. This is where you need to be. So lactate, for example. Yeah. So if you're doing, uh, which is like just a finger prick, put the, put, it on, put the blood on the test strip. Yeah. Um, you're looking at around like one to two millimoles, which to yep. people so, means nothing, right? Yeah, for your regular people listening, lactate threshold – you want to explain that, Corey? It's yeah. the amount of lactic acid in your yeah, body. Yeah, so basically when you're exercising, if you're at low intensities, you're burning fat as a fuel. So you're oxidizing fat. So zone two, if you want to lose weight, by the way, doing zone two is a really good way to oxidize and burn fat. Um, so if, you, if your primary goal is to lose body fat, doing mm. zone two is – so there's another side well, note. I was going to – that's what we were going to ask about was losing weight yeah. through exercise. Yep. So um, through running specifically. Yeah, yes. Well, yeah, I mean, running, definitely yeah. running like zone two is fantastic for that. So you, now you're – you're metabolizing fat, all right? But as you increase intensity, and when you get to about 80% of your maximum heart rate, now you start to tip over to burn more carbohydrates and sugars. So as intensity rises, obviously your lactate in your blood is getting higher and higher and higher. Now, they used to think lactate was a waste product and it wasn't used, but lactate is actually a, a byproduct of metabolism of glucose. So you're burning sugar mm -hmm. to do high intensity. When you go to F45 mm. and you're doing those sort of hard circles, your heart rate's right up, you're, you're producing lactate. Yeah. Okay. Now you can shuttle that back and use that. Um, so people who are fitter can sustain higher, obviously outputs of um, exercise and they can use their lactate, right? Um, Mine goes straight out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's gone. <laughs> um, yeah. So like, Zone two would be like two millimoles. So once you get to zone, once you get to two millimoles, you're pretty much tapped out of zone two now. So you can measure that by doing that on a bike, 
riding on a bike, we take some blood and we figure out what it is. Um, and then as you start to climb to sort of four millimoles, now you're into the point where you, you can't actually buffer it or use it at a high enough rate. So now you start to accumulate lactate in the blood and that's that like acidic feeling you get in your yeah. muscles. Like if you've ever done like- 200 meter run at when you're in high school, yeah, at or the end of the run where your, your legs just, are like- Yeah, your <sighs> coaches program like 35 squats for some reason and you get into yeah. this and your legs are just seizing up and you feel that like lactate. And yes. sometimes if you work hard enough, you'll get that metallic taste in your mouth and mm. that sort of really acidic environment. That's mm. what lactate is. You're not clearing it enough. So your body becomes more acidic um, and your body then will try and- slow you down obviously because you can only do that for so for so long um and developing a, a better lactate threshold will be doing some zone two work but then also using the lactate system by doing your threshold work so you know, your threshold work should be like zone four so if someone has out here as a watch you've got the five zones zone one's usually just warm up zone two is your fat oxidation mitochondrial building zone three is tempo so everyone who's ever heard tempo running that's like your race pace so if you're going out doing a marathon you're going to sit in sort of tempo you don't train much in that. You just sort of more lead race. Uh, good to train in it, but it's to get an experience of it. Zone four is your threshold. So now you're trying to tune that system of lactate. So yeah. you're now starting to use lactate more efficiently. What's zone four? Zone four is like purely threshold. So yeah. like for yeah. me, it'd be like 158 to 170. And so which is it like what percentage of your so, heart rate? So 80 to 90. Wow, okay. So 80 to 90% of your heart rate max. Because if yeah. you're working at that, eventually your body will figure out how to sustain it better. Yeah, you get more efficient. Yeah. You, get more, you tune the system better, right? And then 90% above is your V2 max. This is, these are the hard ones that you can only sustain for like sort of four to five minutes maximum. Mm. But they're generally sort of repeat effort. And zone six at 110%, <laughs> that's, a jab, that's the Pfizer jab. Yeah. That's where, yeah. You, that's yeah. where the heart just blows up. <laughs> yeah, and my, my, my heart rate since having, since having COVID has just been all over the shop. So really? my, tra my training has been horrendous since, yeah, having, wow. since having COVID. Yeah. Because um, I know my numbers quite well. So mm. when I'm on the bike doing stuff, it's just, everything's just hot. My heart rate is just so much higher at the moment. Did you find a difference when you had the jab as well? Uh, not so much when I had the jab. Like yep. uh, it was more, after, once I had COVID, and I'm now in recovery from it. Yep. Like I'm now finding, it's taken me a while. I'm a lot older too than my athletes, but you know, we had 30 blokes get it at the club. Mm. In, so this is for people out there listening who are trying to train through it or- yep. uh, so we had 30 blokes get out of the club. Two of them were so sick that one of them lost eight kilos. Yes. Um, yeah. Fuck. I want to get on that diet. Yeah. <laughs> but he's only like, he was skinny to start with. Yeah. And I was like, where did you lose? So he's lost eight kilos in like five days. Um, and obviously a lot of that's fluid. Yeah. He's obviously lost all his carbohydrate content. So carbohydrates hold fluid. So for every gram of carb, and for, for most people out there listening, you can probably hold about 400 to 500 grams of carbs in your body at one time if you're fully loaded where, up. Where, where, where? Muscle and liver. Yeah, right. So muscle is where you store maybe three to 400 grams yeah. and then the liver is about 100. But if you have more muscle mass, you're going to hold more, right? Cool. So he's he's lost like all of his muscle glycogen. So now he's lost, if you, if you can store 500 grams, that's two liters of water to hold it. Mm. All right? So it times that by, sorry, four, times by three, four, sorry. It'd be 15, yeah, 1500 um, yeah, to 1.5 kilos of water mass to hold 500 grams of carbs. So he's already lost two kilos there. And then as he starts to lose a bit of muscle mass, he starts to lose how much he can hold. And next thing you know, he's just like eight kilos. It's, mm. it's ludicrous, right? So, mm. so that's his recovery journey. And he's going to be like, he's like four to six weeks away from playing footy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, for me, it's been like- Did he have anything underlying or was it just purely COVID? Just purely COVID. Yeah. But he didn't have the booster. So he had two, the two blokes who didn't, who got it the worst were the only two who didn't have the booster. And I don't know how, that's, that's like cause and effect. I'm not saying it's cause and yeah. effect, but everyone else had their booster mm. and they were, they were sick and they recovered relatively well. Some guys are still lingering, but they were the only two that didn't have their booster and they were like out. 
So that was I don't know how much that says about it. Mm. Um, but Maybe yeah. they've got that um, that little bitch gene. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of them is the toughest bloke at the club. So oh, yeah. I, I can't. I, I take can't. that back. Don't yeah. fight me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, um, and then so you were talking about the losing weight side of things. Oh yeah, go back to exercise. <clears throat> yeah. So with the exercise, like I'll I'll find that not only the exercise, I find I almost have more of an impact when I maybe it's in combination, but my diet. Yeah. Um. So. Um, if I don't exercise so too much, I still keep a little active, but I really am good with my diet. I'll yeah. lose that weight regardless of exercise. Yeah, and one of the things I say to people when they first come into AI is, if you're here to lose weight, you are in the wrong place. Like mm. You do not. You should never join a gym to lose weight because mm-hmm. the first thing you need to change is nutrition because you'll never out-train poor nutrition. So someone told me that yesterday. Yeah. Really? Yeah. That exact word. Yeah. You'll never out train poor nutrition. Unless I'm a fucking psychic. And, and <laughs> you've already, you've already had this conversation before. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, if you think about how many hours a week most people exercise, it might be three to four, right? Mm. And you might burn, so let's say in, in an hour you burn, if you're going to use calories, you might burn, say, 600 calories. Mm-hmm. What's is, the most accurate one? Sorry to cut you off. That's there. Right. And I know people get pissed off when I do this, but. Otherwise, I'll forget. Yeah. What is the most accurate way of measuring? Is it calories, kilojoules, fucking grams? Yeah. Um, and you always see these dumb stats like, oh, if you have a can of Coke, you need to walk to fucking Africa to burn it off. <laughs> like, yeah, where so- are they taking this from? And I feel like some of it's bullshit, man, because you can have a can of Coke and yeah. your natural body will, will fucking digest you it. You'll metabolize it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you're, like having one bad meal isn't going to send you over the, over mm. off the scales, right? So- so cal- we use calories in Australia, like the Americans, yep. they use, they use um, kilojoules. So kilojoules, yep. so one calorie is four kilojoules. So I don't know why Americans like to make math harder for yep. whatever reason, like and one Corey's meters. pointing at our sound, the producer. Yeah, he's sitting there with Texas. <laughs> yeah. Why would you have 0.91 of a meter when yeah. you can just have one, one meter? meter. Yeah. Just, just have one meter. It is a calorie yeah. as much energy as it takes to lift one gram off the ground or something like that? Yeah, so a calorie is measured through an indirect calorie meter. So they're basically heating up. Um, so they'll put food into like a um, like a heat chamber. Yeah. And they'll basically heat it up and find out what, at what temperature does it start to uh, break down. And so they figure it out through that. It's quite sciencey. Yep. Um, there's a lot of pipes and shit going out of this machine and trying to figure out what's actually going into it and what's coming out of it. Yep. Um, but they measure that by heating it up and figuring yep. out how much energy it takes to consume or break down that product, right? So that's how calories sort of right. um, come up with. Um, because uh, effectively our body is just heating the food up, breaking it down. Yeah, and like you lose you lose heat. through heat. So you lose yeah. a lot of – so most of the time you eat food, you'll lose like some of that through heat, some of it through digestion, some you'll use for like muscle like, – um, like building blocks of like amino acids and things like that to build muscle, um, recovering and so forth and things like that. Yeah. But um, yeah, so going back to the original point, yeah. joining a gym to lose weight is – if your diet is terrible, is just a bad idea. Like don't, your expectation should be I'm going to the gym to I want to get stronger, I want to be more mobile. That's the reason why you probably join a gym. Mm-hmm. If you go into a gym to try and outrun your poor nutrition, you're going to be running for a long time because- mm. if- oh, I, um, I testify to that because that's it just wasn't happening mm. until I changed. I was doing all that running. I was doing three, four runs a week and yeah. nothing was happening to the- I'm not fat, but I had a like a, like a bit of a belly and a bit of like- you can 
like it's still there, yeah. like a little bit of a donut, and it yeah. will not go away if I don't fix my diet. And you'll never ever be on the marketing team for good life. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> if you want to lose weight, don't, don't join don't, the gym. Don't yeah. join the gym. But I mean, I own a gym, so. Yeah. But if you're coming to a facility to to just purely lose weight, and your your mindset is, I just need to try and outwork. I want to yeah. work really hard today so I can have that yeah. half a block of chocolate at night. Yeah. The mindset needs to shift to like, well, I'm going to exercise for the health reasons. I want to lose weight through. Eating, eating smarter. Yeah. Why make life harder for yourself? I don't understand why people like make life harder yeah. for themselves. Don't don't eat so much food that you have to try and exercise so much more. Like it's, it's so just much easier to say than do, bro. <laughs> but I know yes. food is so good. Eh? <laughs> like how so good, good. How good yes. carbs? It's so good. But oh, you're, you're right because yeah, I, I would be doing the same sort of thing. I was working really hard and I was getting um, a fair bit of training done. Uh, probably last, oh, this is after the run, yeah. and I was not seeing results. Yeah, and I then, was just seeing the same. And what Science. you get is people start to start – well, then when they start figuring this out, right, they start dropping their food intake, which is fine. Like, mm-hmm. like you should be eating really good quality food. But they start to drop their um, calories for the day yeah. and then they start training more. And then you get to like this point where they're not eating enough. So then their body starts getting to this stress response where the body starts slowing down its metabolic processes. You're not burning as much. You start to lose muscle mass, which then drops your metabolic rate. Yeah. Um, so for people listening out there, like if you're eating below 30 calories per kilogram of body weight – which you can easily do that mass right. You just figure out how much you're eating a day and divide it by your body weight. Um, but try and divide it by your lean mass. So people eat for their full mass. Like mm. I'm 85 kilos, probably 10% body fat at the moment. So I've got eight kilos of non-functional mass per se. So I should be eating for around 77 kilos. All right. So for a protein requirements, you know, everyone should be eating between 0.8 and one gram, right? Per kilogram of body weight. So if you're 70 kilos, you should be eating around 70 grams of protein a day. Um, Carbohydrates are a whole different story. But yeah, you want to make sure that you're consuming. Um, so yeah, people keep exercising more and dropping calories and they get this point where they are, now they get like soreness, injuries, females start to lose um, their menstrual cycle because they're not eating enough. Mm-hmm. So you want to be around 35 to 45 calories per kilogram body weight to be at a healthy range in terms of recovery and adaption and things like that. So mm-hmm. if you start to drop your food too much, and try to train more. That's in the, that's on the opposite end of the spectrum as well. At, a, at an extended rate, you can yeah. maybe do it for two weeks, three if you're weeks. Gonna cut, then- if you're going to cut and you want to lose and you want to be in a calorie deficit, now a calorie deficit is a, a very hot topic at the moment, and I have a big issue with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you want to be in a calorie deficit, you want to ensure your protein is a lot higher. So research shows that if you're going to be, let's say you need two thousand calories a day, right? That's for some reason we figure that out, um, and then you need to lose weight, you would just suspect that if you eat 800 calories a day, you're, you're going to lose weight over time. They would say, if you're going to go like severely drop your calories down to like say 1200, you want to increase your protein content. Okay. And research shows that you'll still maintain your lean mass while dropping weight, not sustainable long, long term, but mm. for short periods of time, you can get away with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like this whole calories in calories out thing to me is something that needs to be, there's two arguments. One is that, you know, if I just need to lose, if I need to eat 2,500 a day and I eat 2,300, I'm going to lose weight no matter what I eat. Mm. That's like, that's part of the mentality of like, well, I can have a donut, I can have yeah. um, sandwiches, I can have whatever but it's That doesn't be. take into account how your body's processing it and its efficiency and its me- yeah, metabolism. And, um, you know, I think it's, uh, it was Newton's th- uh, first law or something like energy can be neither created nor destroyed. So yeah. if you're eating something, um, the energy's got to go somewhere. So you usually dissipate through heat. Um, you use it for energy. Um, but we're, we're, we're not just simple mathematics, right? We are yeah. a very biological system with things going on. So if I say you, you're going to eat, say, 
1,500 calories of donuts a day. Do you reckon you're going to lose weight? I, I'd highly suspect you wouldn't mm. uh, if you're continuing to eat. That's a very extreme example. Mm. Um, but the quality of food is really important. So the hormonal response in the this, in this system is so important for how you feel, how you look, how you recover. So, you know, you go to this, this whole refined carbohydrate debate. Carbohydrates are a very good thing to eat, by the way, for athletes, especially your, your sweet potatoes, your brown rice, quinoa. Yeah, not, re- not refined carbs. Yeah, the, I'm like talking about the refined carbs. So yeah. your sugars, like there's, yeah, we know that- All sugar, the tasty shit. All the really <laughs> nice stuff that's it's addictive to eat and you mm. want to continue to eat it. Yeah. Um, like make, it make, it drives hunger. So you eat sugar, it, it drives more hunger. Yeah. It becomes- I try, I've tried to cycle. explain this to people before, like you're just going to be more hungry and mm. eat more and then be- yeah, it's just going to make it worse. So, yeah, I've always thought, listen to your body what it wants, but yeah. if you're putting in <laughs> that stuff in, you want yeah. more, so maybe don't listen as much. Yeah, so it's it's a tough one. It's And it's science is ever-evolving. It's very hard to do research where you're doing that with like real people yeah. because you've got to say you're, in, you're only eating this for like extended periods. And the, the studies, are, they're too short. They're like three weeks, four weeks at yeah. max. Um, some of them are eight weeks and they're conf- – the research is very conflicting. Mm. So we know that if you don't eat carbohydrates, you eat like very minimal carbohydrates and train and like do a like, if you're gonna do fasting, faster training or um, easy training, doing it with no carbohydrates is fine because mm-hmm. you don't use carbohydrates at low intensity too much. So we know that if you reduce carbohydrates and you, you train, you burn more fat by doing that. So you burn more fat, which then the research even says that you have a sparing effect. So you, you hold carbohydrates for longer. So if you're ultra marathon, for example, mm. you want to be very efficient at burning fat. So, cause we know that if you tap out of carbohydrates, you start to fatigue a lot sooner. So by doing training in zone two, you know, eating less carbohydrates before you do your zone two or easy training, mm-hmm. you become very efficient at burning fat. Um, and then that will spare the muscle glycogen or the carbohydrates for later in the race. So you fatigue later. Mm-hmm. But then there's research also saying that there's been no evidence to suggest that it actually improves performance. So there's like, mm. I'm re- so I've just finished my diploma in performance nutrition and you know, I read one article that said, literally said that like faster training will improve your ability to burn fat. If you have oats before doing a zone two run, mm-hmm. you're now going to oxidize or burn more carbohydrates because you've eaten carbohydrates prior to your zone two run. Mm-hmm. Okay, but if you don't eat your carbohydrates before you zone two run, you're going to burn more body fat. So, I mean, but I wouldn't eat, don't eat high fat before running, by the way. That's, mm. That doesn't end well. Yeah. Okay, you're going to get gut distress. So mm-hmm. if you're going to do like an easy 30-minute run in the morning fasted, yep. there's people that are saying, don't do it, like it's ridiculous. But no, if you're doing zone two and it's easy, you're fine to do it. And then every, you, can, you can eat can r- Every single morning run I do is fasted. Yeah. yeah. But if you're doing intensity, like if I'm going for a hard run in the morning, I'm having oats like an hour beforehand because I know I need fuel to, mm-hmm. to run that session. Um, so if I'm just um, – so base, very broadly, if I'm just an average punter trying to lose weight, just a general zone two easy jog yep. and some and a, a pretty – Good, well balanced, clean diet. Yep, um, and which is trying so yeah. oh, it's easy to say well balanced if you've never had a well balanced yeah. clean diet. You don't know what that is. Yeah, so just reducing fine refined carbs. So refined carbs are bread, pasta, muesli bars, obviously all your sugary stuff that we already know about. Yeah, we don't need to tell you what it is. So sugars and and fucking yeah, yeah. bread. Yeah, yeah bread. <laughs> dough. Yeah, dough. Like wheat. All those things like that. They're they're all gonna um, you know cause fat deposition. So you're going to store body fat. Okay. So, and that's the argument. People believe there's the carb insulin model. So if you eat carbohydrates, mm-hmm. insulin spikes. So your insulin just goes up through the roof. And if insulin's high, you can't be burning fat. Mm-hmm. Okay. If insulin's low and you, then you can burn fat. So it's that, 
That's one argument. And yeah. the other argument is, no, nah, no, nah, it's not about that. It's just calories in, calories out. Fuck that is, so that that is, is right. I think they're both right. And yeah. this is, this is the, and it's science will catch up. Yeah. Um, but I think both arguments have a, a point to some degree, but I would argue that if you eat really healthy foods, so real food, vegetables, fruits, um, or you, if you're not eating meats, we'll talk about vitamins and stuff a bit later on, but, um, without with very minimal refined carbohydrates, I would argue you can eat more than you need and still lose weight if you're exercising and doing things like that as well. So that's that's mm. the argument, but mm. um, yeah. There's, there's Where's a, all the research coming from? Because part of me is like, you're trusting somebody that you don't know, first of all, yeah, of which course. is what everyone does. Mm. Yep. But um, with, with stuff like that, your control groups have to be so fucking controlled yep. that if you've got 20 people doing the test, they have to have the same starting weight, same sex it should be, yep. same fucking training experience, training experience, same diet. Yep. you got to trust that they're not having snacks and shit. So behind, behind closed doors. Yeah, like that, that's that yeah. is almost impossible. That's why That's why it's it's very, you don't see that research. Yeah. It's so hard to do. Um, they did this research like, before ethics was around, like yeah. back in the 60s and well, 70s. I don't even know how much ethics are still around with a lot of pharmaceuticals. But yeah, well, pharma- yeah. pharmaceuticals are different, right? But so there was a German researcher, I can't remember his name now, but he basically wanted to see the effect of hormones and testosterone on individuals. Yeah. So he took some, I can't remember the, the exact population, but it took like 10 to 15 men um, and just reduced their testosterone levels down to like almost- How? I oh, just like pharmaceutically, like taking drugs oh, and blockers fuck. and like, yeah, doing all this crazy stuff. Um, and so that's how Bruce Jenner was. Yeah. And seeing what happened to them over the time and over the time of the study, they just got more and they turned, obviously they turned into women. Like they just, there was like a lot more stuff going on, wow. a lot more bickering going on. There was, it was kind of a funny research, right? And I remember him presenting on it. But then if you talk about like, like cutting out nutrition, mm. they did this one where they took these super obese people and just fed them basically vitamins and minerals and they fasted them for 30 days. They didn't eat any food mm. for 30 days. They're just mm. giving them minerals and everything they need essentially. Yeah. And the weight can just obviously dropped off significantly. Um, but then it was about, then they started to slowly reintroduce food back into their diet. Um, but yeah, it's just what you can, what you can do with fasting and nutrition is, mm. is, is kind of crazy, right? But, but there's, there's, so, there's so much hot topics on it. So what sports dietitians have to say a certain thing because they're yeah. under like a body. They need to say that you need to eat this amount of like 40 to 60% of your diet from carbohydrates is ludicrous mm. um, for the average person. Especially if you're an athlete training at very high level and very high intensities, um, I still think that's too high. I think you need to be more around the sort of 20 to 40 and around, you should eat your carbohydrates around your training sessions that are intense. So fuel your body for what the session requires. So if you're going to F45 and you know it's going to be a hard session, mm. yeah, carb up, oats, banana, whatever you sort of want, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're going for an easy run, you, you don't necessarily need to eat all that carbohydrate before the, for the run, mm. okay? That's sort of, you should think about periodizing nutrition for what your body needs. Yeah. Think about it that way. Um, and if you don't know anything about it, get in touch with Athletics Institute. Yeah. Athletics Institute. Yeah, yeah. That's actually a good but, point. Or, or anyone who has half a brain when it comes to human physiology. So yeah. someone you trust and know. And But if you're going for a, if you have an idea of what your maximum heart rate is and you've got a watch on and tells you it's going to be up high, then fuel that with carbohydrates. Yeah. Because half the battle is, Let's say I think I'm eating a well nutrition balanced diet, and mm-hmm. I think this is all good. But the reality is, if I was to go to an expert, they'd be like, "Bro, this isn't yeah. well balanced." Yeah, and you this know? is so, this is one of the difficult things I'm having with the vegetarian stuff. Yep, <clears throat> I'm finding I'm pretty, um, I'm pretty sort of like I'm 
narrow with what I'm eating. Yep. And I don't think I'm, I'm I eat a lot of vegetables and yep. a lot of different vegetables, all the different colors. I yep. feel like the different colors is a pretty good indicator of what yep. you're getting out of them. Um, but I am my snacks are not great. Yep. They're carbohydrates and refined yep. carbohydrates I mean yep. as well. So um, I guess trying to find a happy balance there. I'm actually considering going back to meat and slowly introducing it back. I've introduced fish back into my diet yep. and it doesn't seem to be aggravating the gut. Yeah. Um, I have I will not go near red meat <laughs> yep. for the time being, but I might try a chicken meal soon just to yep. slowly cuz I find it in my head it's so easy to eat a healthy diet with meat. Oh, it's like so much chicken easier. and a nice salad is for me. That's I, I like the idea of that. That's yeah. it's nice it's, and tasty. Tash Peterson's a big fan of that one. <laughs> yeah, but do you know what I mean? Like that's uh, I find that's easy. I feel like it's actually quite challenging for me to make a like I'm a now I'm a single dad. The nights where I have to fucking feed Scotty and do all that is, by myself. Sometimes I'm like, what's easiest? Quick and easy. Yeah, carbs and are quick. Usually and easy. for me, it's a stir fry. It's still yeah. vegetables, yeah. but there's fucking there's plenty of carbs, but oils, all and the noodles, sauces. Oh, those noodles are taste, they're so tasty. But they're mm. so bad for you. Yeah, that's what I mean. So um, like that, that'll, that'll be without, my standard. That's one thing I'm good at, man. I do all my shit without the noodles or the rice. I did it yeah, last night. I did a, I did a vegetable stir fry, just vegetables. Yeah, but the sauces, I'm not 100 percent sure whether they were that great. But like, Check. it was just vegetables. Yeah, vegetable oil and sugar. Think two things you want to try and avoid. But going back to your point with um, uh, what were we talking about? Oh, when people so when people come sit down with me and I'm going through their nutrition, mm. like we we look at like a player like one of the guys you should recruit from East Perth. He you know, comes in. Yep. Um, I'm going through his nutrition. I'm going like sitting there going, okay, is this uh, this is typical? Like, yeah, this is what I normally eat. Like, and he's just going through. I'm like, okay, well, this is what I want you to try and eat from now on. We yep. want to put your carbohydrates around your hard training. So here's we know Tuesday and Thursday is a hard training. So. Be- Around that, carbs, let's eat the carbs. Mm-hmm. Game day, yeah, game day's coming up. You need to make sure you're fully loaded up with carbohydrates to perform at a high level. We know carbohydrates, mm-hmm. you know, lower your perception of effort. Your fatigue is a lot later on in the game and you're going to perform a lot better. So we know that. Um, but then we start, but day to day, sitting at your desk, you don't need to be eating four cups of rice with your chicken. Mm. It's, it's, and then, you know, after four months, you know, he's lost 14 kilos and he's Jeez. feeling- Yeah, because when he came over- um, yeah. And I seen him. I didn't think he was fat or overweight, but no. he was. It was he like was solid, solid. And um, now he's ripped. Yeah, now he's now he's looking really good. Yeah. He, he, but now he understands what when he needs to eat that type of food. And you know, I didn't. I, I don't want you guys, people listening, to stop eating their favorite foods. Like you need to eat the things that you enjoy doing. It needs to be sustainable. Yeah, pussy. <laughs> <laughs> if you, had, I was gonna, I was gonna reference this podcast <laughs> to, our, to our AI to our AI members, and it's just gone straight out the window. Um, no, we can, uh, we can edit that bit um, when you reference it. Yeah. No. Yeah. No, we won't. Yeah. Just we'll give them the clip without that eating pussy reference. Yeah. yeah. So. I think it's you need to eat those things you enjoy. If your favorite meal is like bolognese, yeah, eat pasta bolognese, eat it, like have it, carbonara, yep. whatever, have it every now and then. But if you're consuming those things on a regular mm. occurrence, you're going to be gaining weight. Right. Over and if you're having carbonara and your knees are weak and your arms are heavy, don't do it because <laughs> you'll vomit in your sweater. <laughs> and with, yeah. and uh, you, if your mum made it for yeah. you, yeah. Um, but uh, and that's that, that's the thing I talk about with kids, for example, yeah. like um, my nephews or whatever, if like uh, or my, my daughter. Like we try and sit there. Oh, there's nothing wrong with my daughter having a sandwich, like white bread sandwich. I almost That's think fine. that if your kid's active, feed them whatever the fuck but you want, man. Because when the n- growing up, I was so active. We ate everything and yeah, it didn't yeah. matter. We were ripped. Yeah. Yeah. But when the next meal is crackers and then the next meal after that is pasta yeah. and then the it next meal after that is maybe an ice cream like yeah. for a dessert and then the next morning wake up and she's got oats yeah. and every meal is carbs or refined carbs. You're like, oh, There's a really on. good book called um, 
deep nutrition and I think everyone who has kids or is thinking of having kids should read it because it talks about epigenetics. The things that you eat can dictate what genes your child gets. And But it's also, I, I, tell, I somewhat agree with you with the kids, like they can sort of eat whatever, they're very hormonal, right? So they, uh, you're always active, you're running mm. around, but it's you develop habits. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was listening to Jay Sacker Madison on a podcast, which I got the footy boys listen to, and he was talking about his peak years at Brisbane and it was yeah, all the passes, all the rises, lower back soreness all the time. He obviously finishes playing football and then he starts to get, he gets to get fat real quick. So then you see every AFL player, yeah. they, yep. they start blowing out pretty happened quick. Happened 100%. Yeah. Happened. Yeah. Xavier Ellis, shout out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they start putting on weight real quick, right? Because they just, they've taken these habits from elite sport, which yes. is kind of sad. Yep. And they go into the general population, they start gaining weight and it's because of the food they're consuming. Yeah. And now he's gone, so Jason Acker's gone from eating all that stuff to a lot less refined carbohydrates and, you know, all the aches and pains start to go away. He starts losing weight. Um, and he tells a really good story on there um, about one of his athletes who starts doing it with him. And they're like, they're thinking he's on steroids because he's just like getting all these wicked results over a couple of years, not yeah. over like a short period of time, over yeah. a couple of years. Uh, but he starts performing really well and feeling great and looking like, and you look so much better mm. when you're leaner, obviously as well. Mm-hmm. So what about, is there any food you can eat that, that uh, encourage testosterone or is that a myth? Um, Good question. Off the top of my head, I'm trying to think. Because yeah. um, you mentioned it before when you're reducing the testosterone in men pharmaceutically. So is there stuff fats. that you can- so, so if you eat, so I was actually reading an article this morning. So if you eat less fat, so people who eat less fat in uh, males particularly, tend to have a lower testosterone count than males who eat enough fat. So we're talking about good fats here, like mm. your, your fish, your avocados, your oils, and things like that, your good stuff. Um, they tend, because they're, they're in the, they're involved in cholesterol production and yeah. obviously sex hormone production. So if you're not eating enough fat, then you're going to get some testosterone reduction there. So, but then the article went on to say there was no sort of difference in their, their makeup based on that. So there's obviously conflicting evidence. They probably need to do a longer series of trials. Yep. But yeah, if you're not eating enough fat, that'll affect your sex hormones. Yeah. Well, speaking of sex, I, that's good hit. Another one off the top. Um, erectile dysfunction and diet. Is there a link between that? I'm not educated enough to say otherwise. No, yeah. I'd have to, have to pass on that when one. When I was looking at my back, uh, going for my back, um, I had a look on the charts and where my back injury is is related to your dick as well. Yeah, right. So I was like, I wonder if there's any effect there because sometimes sometimes, sometimes I might not be able to bar it, be as hard as I want to <laughs> be. And I, not, I actually don't doubt that that has something to do with my nerve root and my nerve block right where yeah. I've got my bulge discs and I've well, got everything Inflammation, right? So if, if you go to nutrition, so going back to that book, Deep Nutrition, it's it's about epigenetics and um, how you can shape your DNA with what you eat. So if you're someone who eats a lot of refined sugar and refined crap, over, over it takes a long time. This doesn't yeah. happen in like six months. We're yeah, talking yeah. over years and years and years of doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, your DNA will start to change somewhat, okay? And they found that, um, like the example is if, if mothers have children really close together, the mm-hmm. second child, so, so if you're the second child in your family, generally doesn't get the full genetic potential of your, of your parent. So they're generally, they don't have that symmetrical, they might not have a symmetrical fate. Like we're talking like about how their appearance. Sorry, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> so, generally, one, right? yeah. yeah. so generally the first child gets blessed with the best genetics because the mother is, if there's not enough time in between kids giving birth. So if you're having your second child really close together. They'd be depleted of- yeah, like yeah. they haven't fully recovered from the first birth. So they're not like, so when they're having their second child really close in succession, um, and look, I'm not an expert on this topic, yeah, by the yeah. way, but definitely read that book. It sort of talks about these yeah, things. Wow. But the first child generally has the best genetics. They're generally more symmetrical. There's less sort of deformities. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you have kids really close oh, in succession- I had six fingers in each hand, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get that one. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. So food can have a big in. So you're going back to inflammation. So yeah. that's information issue, right? So if yeah. you're eating a lot of refined stuff, there's C-reactive proteins and marker of body inflammation. So if you're eating those types of foods, like refined carbohydrates, lots, lots of bread, lots of passes. I'll talk about my boys with this all the time. Like, and some of them, like, shut up, Granny, what are you talking about? Yeah. And other folks are like, oh, okay, I'll take it on board and try some things and they've got some benefit out of it. But that might cause inflammation, yeah. uh, which might be associated with that as well. And if yeah. you're drinking, for example, that's yeah, even yeah, more yeah. inflammation, which is even worse. So. Yeah, last couple I of weeks. I really do wish I had this information when I was playing football and growing yeah. up and younger. And not only that, just for general General health. Just, just say that, general. but it would have been different back then as well. We wouldn't have known. We would have been given different advice. And probably no, that's what I'm saying. I wish I was. Given another diff, diff, lot of different advice. Well, I used to eat yeah. 14 wee like a morning, yeah. like before footy. Yeah. Like, I, I would never do it now. Like, no yeah. way. Um, yeah, I don't but know. But my parents had no idea what they were doing. Like, we ate relatively well. Like, we, dinner was always like meat and veg and something yeah. else, right? Everyone pretty much had that growing yeah. up. Uh, but it was the snacks at school weren't great. Like, your mum give you money, you go buy a cheesy. Like, yeah. how good are cheesies? Yeah. To them. I was nice if you had parents with money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I went to the same school as you, Wanneroo. Yeah. 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 I went to Wanneroo. Yeah. Well, you were well done. You were the well off Wanneroo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, no. I was at that school. I, I used to steal Corey's lunch. Yeah. I saw some things that I yeah, so and your parents, uh, they're your mentors, yeah. and they can pass on really good habits, or yeah. they can pass on poor habits. So, and that's it's unfortunate. Like I feel like it's it's unfair for the kids sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I did want to hit on. Did you have something you were going to say, Branchy? Uh, okay. I, I know missing out red meat, vitamin Bs for athletes. Well, people. yeah. So well, that does go to. We were talking about that, but like the vitamin B twelve. I've been I've been having the supplements. Yep. Um, <clears throat> I eat eggs. Yep. So I get, get a bit. My, I get a bit out of that. But the vitamin B12. So I started with a spray, yep. which you suggested was going to be far more absorbable. Yeah, so the research is conflicting and there's not enough research to say definitively like this is going to be a lot better. But it yep. seems to be that if you're taking like a straight sort of pharmaceutical grade yep. v, vitamin B12 spray under the tongue, mm-hmm. it's going to absorb a little bit quicker than the tablets because tablets have gelatin and other binding agents yep. that need to break down with it. So so it's, see that if you're getting... Yeah, that's gonna be slightly better. But um, to to mention why you're doing that is about because that's the only thing you can't get in a vegan diet, a vegetarian diet. Was that right? Yeah. Yes. So you're taking out meat. So if you're taking out all animal products, you Mm. are now getting pretty much no vitamin B. Vitamin B12, sorry. Vitamin Vitamin B12, B12, which is really important for energy production, nerve production, and red blood cells. Isn't the majority of the world's population vitamin B12 deficient regardless? No, like I think if you if you are eating meat, like mm-hmm. so for example, the spray that you're talking about, you get yep. about 500 mi- micrograms yep. um, of the vitamin B12. And uh, the article I sent you this morning yep. was showing that you get you only absorb about 10 micrograms. Okay. So of that 500 microgram spray. So, but then- So the tablets that they, they shifted me to. So I went there for the spray and yep. they had the tablets and they were less expensive, same brand, same everything. And okay. she's then moved me and said, look, I suggest- Trying these tablets because yep. these ones uh, are actually going to be more bio. bio yeah, bio, so create more bioavailability. So yes. You, so then that's I don't know. She's giving you like another one because there's type there's types of vitamin B12. Yeah. Okay. Um, and it was a slightly different one as well. Yes. Yeah. So um, you've got uh, hydroxocobilumium, which is like mm-hmm. a, another one, and then that's the one that we is we sort of make ourselves. Uh, methyl. That's uh, the one. That's the one that comes from. That's in a lab, isn't it? Yeah, no. <laughs> methyl, uh, the second one always gets me is like um, carbilamine. Meth- methyl just um, means there's one carbon group with three, four hydrogens on it. Yeah. And so oh, that's. Daniel Delvey, the oh, yeah, science sorry. teacher. <laughs> so that's in red meat. That's in animal products. So okay. if you're not eating them, you're not going to get that, right? So mm-hmm. athletes who are performing and, and they're vegan, they should be taking a vitamin B12 supplement. And then your RDI, so your recommended daily intake, is about t- two, two micrograms. So if you're getting a spray and you're only getting 10 of the 500, you're still above 
So the the need. studies that I had seen was that ninety percent of the Earth's population is regardless vitamin B twelve deficient. Yeah, right. So um, that doesn't necessarily mean they've they don't find it easier to get it, but they should be supplementing as well. Yeah, so like it's definitely something. If you're not eating meat, you would want to be chucking because into your what, daily routine. Because if you don't have vitamin B12 in your diet, what can't you absorb? Other vitamins? Yeah, so if you have too much vitamin C, for example, mm-hmm. like, which most people would have probably too much, yep. you actually reduce the amount you can actually absorb vitamin B12. But vitamin B12 is important for red blood cell production. So your aerobic capacity, aerobic fitness, general health, and then um, you've got like, nerve conditions as well. So um, it can be it's involved in nerve conduction mm-hmm. and production. So yeah, I probably need so to. So if I start three times a week having like, uh, you know, fried, not fried chicken, but, you know, roasted chicken or something like that and fucking whatever. Well, you know, well, is chicken considered a red meat? No, no, no so, that's what I mean. So, so red meat's got the highest amount. And, and this is what I'm I talking about. Eat, I don't eat red meat either, so I'm having the spray yep. um, daily. So and is that why? Because because I'm not getting the red meat because I know that you know I'm eating a lot of good food, mm-hmm. but red meat's the primary one where you get it from. And is certain red meats like the way they're raised, is that going to be an issue as well? Like so if you're factory farmed? Yeah. Fucking like, I, was, it comes in, I mean, that's like hormones and other stuff that goes, and that's a whole other yeah. topic. But uh, I'm assuming there's definitely some difference. In, yeah. Well, in Sad Guru on Joe Rogan was talking about just the lack of topsoil nutrition is affecting how much vitamins are actually going into the animals, that, into everything, into all the food production, the mm. fruits, the grass, everything, and then that's getting passed on. Whereas, like in the 20s, it would have taken two oranges, I think he said, for yeah. X amount of vitamin C. Now it takes eight. Yeah, because mm. the quality the has been yeah. fucked. Yeah, the quality is obviously – it's mass production, right? Yeah. So, and if um, any ladies looking for some vitamin D, DanielDelby.com. But it's like, like with – so part of my um, uh, diploma was talking about like athletes who live in like the UK, right? So they need to supplement with vitamin D because – And vitamin teeth. And vitamin teeth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but like – Why is that? Because there's no sun? Yeah, so they're not getting enough sun time, right? So vitamin yeah. D like could be something that you might use or take just during the winter time here in Perth. Mm-hmm. Um, like we get, we're blessed with sun here, so you don't need it most of the yeah. time. But yeah. during winter, taking like an oral – uh, vitamin B, uh, vitamin D, or a spray just through that winter period might help. And again, you, if anyone wants oral vitamin D, I will. Buy, <laughs> I will. Uh, I'm you, so glad you're here. Donate. It's, it's, uh, it's probably a dry podcast. Yeah. Just, if you're getting um, that the, the vitamin D in, from the sun, slut, should you be getting it earlier in the morning to make sure you're obviously not getting damaging? Don't know. I, I, don't I think there's conflicting evidence. Yeah, there on is. That. There's. I read the article yeah. um, f- probably a couple of months ago, and they're not exactly sure. Like that, the time frame and windows yeah. and stuff haven't clearly been defined. Mm. But getting in, just getting 15 to 25, 30 minutes is like the recommended without sun cream, hey? Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, something like all that sort of stuff. Yeah, and I guess that's probably why people recommend doing it earlier in the morning. Yeah, there was a study I I, I heard about. I don't know if I read it, but uh, I, maybe you can bust the myth. They were saying that the the correlation between sun and skin cancer and the damage that the sun's causing isn't actually the sun being any harsher than it was. It it's caused from our bodies having a lack of vitamins and minerals to stop it from being deformed. Oh wow! Right. Yeah, yeah. Do you hear no, any of that? No, no but no. so there was some. I would also just like with no uh, evidence and just using my own brain, my bro science. Oh, oh. My, my, my own bro science that, Love you know, science. I'm, I'm assuming China's sun cream. Oh. I'm assuming <laughs> sun cream's pretty, like there's a lot of chemicals, harmful chemicals in that are going on your skin. So yeah, I'm, like I'm assuming that's probably. Skin's your large organ. So yeah. it's obviously, it absorbs a lot and does a lot. So, so I'm assuming you're probably absorbing a few, it's like, it's, it's like the, you know, the, uh, 
yeah, which ones what what benefits mm. more? You know, yeah. are you putting the chemicals on to stop the skin cancer? What if you're out in the fucking sun every day, you're going to be putting sun cream on. Yeah. It, there's yeah. always a consequence to every decision you make, whether, yeah. whether it be good or bad. And if you change something, something else is going to change. So you just got to figure mm. out what, you, what are you trying to achieve and make that change accordingly. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, but how do you trust who's got what they say is in it? Like who do you get your vitamins from? Like how do you know Well, it is what they say? So there's so going – so if you want to talk like proven supplements, there's about five on the planet that yeah, have been right. proven by research to actually work and one of them was creatine. Yeah, and so we're talking about – doesn't creatine just make you fatter by holding more water? No, it, it does do that. But it do also is really important for like that short energy sort of burst training. So lifting weights, mm. so, so maximal sprint work or whatever it may be. So you've got to be – depends what you want to do, right? But if you want to gain muscle mass and you want to gain some size, taking creatine is a no-brainer. But is so it picking it, the right creatine? A creatine bit monohydrate. Creatine yes. Monohydrate. I think in year 11 I had that and I, I just blew out. Like yeah. I got fucking fat. But like, you, wouldn't you can tell, man. Yeah, but you wouldn't understand – you were just probably taking lots of it, right? Yeah. So um, there's a dosing response. So you can take um, – so if you take – over five days, if you take 20 grams um, or if you take one or four grams of one teaspoon over 30 days, at 30 days you'll be the same as you were. Yeah, so right. you, you can dose up a lot quicker by doing the, the loading period. Mm. But taking it every day pretty much gives you the same result, but you get there a bit longer. But, um, yeah, I have athletes come from like other waffle clubs and be like, oh, my – they told me not to take it. I'm, is I'm it legal in waffle? Yeah, it's fine. It's yeah, fine. Right. Yeah. It's, it's naturally producing like red meat and th yeah. other things. Yeah. So and he was like, I was told not to take it. I was like, what? Like he's, he's skinny. He's trying to gain weight. Because isn't it also good just for general health? Yeah. Like it's, it is for general health as well. Like yeah. obviously if your energy system is a bit more efficient, that's obviously a benefit, right? Mm -hmm. So, but for this athlete, I was like, well, mate, you need to load up on it every single day. Here's your, here's your nutrition plan. Mm -hmm. He calls me like six, seven weeks later, man, I'm putting like three kilos. I'm like, yeah, awesome. Like keep going. And now he's five kilos heavier. Um, and that's just a simple supplement. Like, and that's if you're an athlete who wants to gain mass um, and improve your strength, you should be taking creatine. And you don't need to load through too much, like cycle through. You can just keep taking it. But if you want to drop a bit of weight, yeah, take it out. So it depends on sort of what you want to use it for. My second season, my second preseason of seniors at West Perth, I got, I started using creatine because I guess it was, I didn't have any science, didn't have know how much to have. I mate, would have been taking it. You would have copied him. Fuck, I got. Big, yeah. like, like, the, like you know those th or fat? Nah, muscles. Really? Like the biggest I've ever been by yeah. a fuck. The, that photo that I like to show you yeah. from time to time, yeah. I'm on creatine. Was now. your body yeah. worse for injury though? So worse because yeah, I didn't right. train properly. Yeah. I didn't do leg weights. Yeah. I was fucking like, do you know the don't skip leg day guy? Yeah. That's me. Yeah. I was like the tiniest fucking legs. And I thought in my head, oh, I'm running so much. That's my leg weights. Yeah. Yeah. But no. So going, so I've CC'd. Branchy in an email with like the international Olympic committee's consensus statement on supplements that actually work, right? Mm. So if you want the reference article with all that, then yeah, I'll put them all in the, the description. Show notes. Yeah, yep. the show notes. Yep. Can you? Um, yeah. So yeah, like, but there's five. So in performance, it's creatine, it's caffeine, it's beta alanine. Um, What's beta alanine? So beta alanine is a like it's a muscle buffer. So this is we're going back to lactate. So yeah. you can do things at a higher intensity for a little bit longer. Yeah. Okay. By taking beta alanine. Mm. Um, so so that's that more your high so performance sodium, athletes yeah. that want that. Yeah. Yeah. Sodium bicarbonate is is another one. Um, and nitric oxide. So nitric oxide um, is something you get from beetroots. Yeah. So you, you've already heard of beetroot juice yep. Um, yep. or beet it. There's like pretty a few, good. Yeah. A few brands around. So that in, basically increases uh, vasodilation. So it allows 
your um, so your capillaries and your veins to expand more and allow more oxygen to get to the working muscle. So having like a, a beetroot or a beetroot juice prior to doing some cardiovascular work, you're going to be a bit more efficient and you'll probably notice you might be a bit better off by having it. So there's, there's but everything else, like there's no real hard scientific evidence to say, yep, these things work. So, but creatine, wow. 100%, caffeine's an endurance performance. So if you want to improve cardiovascular, if you want to improve endurance performance for your ultra, mm-hmm. yep. caffeine all the way, but getting the dose amount right is important. So funny story. So about uh, four weeks ago, we had a few scratch matches with the footy boys. And I was like, all right, so we need to get better at halftime, eating food, supplements and stuff to try and improve performance to the back end of the game. So I said, here's some no-dose. You may cramp, you may feel really good. Like if you haven't had caffeine, if you're not, if you're sensitive to caffeine, don't have too many. Yeah. If you're sense, if you're a coffee drinker and you have lots of caffeine, you might have a few more. Yeah. But caffeine, you need about three milligrams per kilogram of body weight to have a really good effect. Mm, so if you weigh a hundred, you weigh hundred kilos, one nodo is a hundred hundred milligrams. So you'd have three nodos to get three times your body weight to get some sort of performance benefit. But you'll be awake for two days, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, well one note. So one coffee is about one hundred and forty milligrams of. Um, oh, so caffeine. one nodos is so it'd be like two coffees, coffee. just a bit more yeah. than two coffees, right? Right. So anyway, I said to the boys. Look, you can try it. I'm not making you do it. It's up to you. Here they are. Um, we got we got two scratch matches to try and get some workings and see what happens. And our players don't normally cramp. So caffeine's a diuretic. Mm. So you, I said to the players, yeah. you need to increase your electrolyte consumption and you need to increase your water consumption. And some obviously listened, some didn't, but we had 10 If you want to find out about that, precision yeah. hydration. <laughs> yes. And fuel now. On the hard yards. Um, but we had 10 players cramp like – Third quarter, we get 10 players go down with cramp. We're like, oh, I'm sitting on the sidelines going, this is, this is not good. Um, but I like it's a scratch match. No one cares if we win or lose. Yeah. So the next week we have a conversation like, guys, uh, did you have too much? Did you have too little? Some guys like, I actually didn't drink much water. Caffeine's a direct, so you're going to piss more. So then they start diluting their system. And then the next week we had about four blokes cramp. Um, and some players got some really good benefits out. So they're, they're sticking with it now. And some yep. are like, no, nah, granny, I'm done with that. I yep. like, yeah, all good. And that's why you try things yep. in training and in-, in For individual in the, players, it correct. might work. So yeah. some people are going to get benefits and some people aren't. Before uh, Sudafed was <laughs> like banned as a, a pre-game sort of thing, we'd all have cold and flu tablets yeah. before footy. Like I remember- A little I think bit of MDMA first, before the game, eh? Mate, I think it was my first two seasons. A little bit of shame warned. I think it was yeah. my first two se- or first season, it was still okay. And then yeah. at the end of the season, they said, okay, this is banned, this is banned, this is banned. Yeah. And Sudafed, cold and flu tablets. So you, even your cold and flu tablets, if you got a cold, you, ha- you couldn't have them. Yep. Um, but mate, they mess you up. That it you feel was good. elite. You feel good. <laughs> so good. You like I'd like, run around like it was the greatest. You know, had uh, some at halftime as well, and yeah. then um, and then you crash pretty hard at the end of the game. But <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Like, fuck, that was so good. Going back to creatine, one thing that obviously through fifteen years of doing this, like when you get an athlete who takes creatine, they'll some so some put on weight really quick, mm-hmm. but they keep the same training volume. They start running. So if they're if they're a running base athlete and their goal is to improve performance at running, you wouldn't recommend creatine for someone like that because yeah. they're going to get heavier, they're going to get a bit slower, become more or less efficient, right? So you don't want to get too heavy. But if you're someone who wants to put on size, you're in the gym and you're just like, you know, good life, you're trying to get ooge, then <laughs> you want to make sure that you're having creatine. But if you're someone who is an athlete who is a running-based sport, netball, basketball, whatever it may be, you're going to add on more weight. So, and adding more weight adds more stress to the system when you start running. So if you carry an extra three kilos around, there's a lot more stress going through the joints, right? Through, mm. through the tissue. Yeah. So this is where you get your injuries. So you mm-hmm. would have had like a big influx of weight real quick mm-hmm. and then your training volume would have changed. 
So yeah. that's when you get sore and stiff. Yeah, I, and I'm back like like so bad. I got broken. stuck. I got Vinyl. stuck. I got stuck. You yeah. might have been at the training session and yeah. uh, we were jogging in the warm-up just before we'd even started doing lunges or anything. It was like jogging back and forth just to limber up and yeah. my back went yeah. bulge disc. Um, or what, no, what do they call it when it Creatine goes? Creatine doesn't cause bulging disc, by the way. Yeah, yeah, no, but as in like because of the lack of – I'd been carpet laying all day, and yeah. then the lack of uh, balance within my weights programs fucking painful. was all biceps, triceps, and chest. Yeah, no legs and no Standard. legs, no dips. Uh, sorry, no, um, Speaking of which, my OT found out what the fuck's wrong with my back. Finally, oh really? Yeah. Speak to, years, speak to us. Speak to After me, fucking eighteen, fucking after eleven years. Yeah. Oh. She sent me for another MRI, but all the other MRIs that I've gone for, they're just like, yeah, look at the disc L5 S1 L, yep. and all the disc. And it's always come back. Yeah. L5 S1. There's a bulge. But she, she wrote on the notes to um, do a MRI of the sacroiliac joint, yep. the SI joint. Yeah. SI joint. Yep. So I, as I got out of the machine, the guy's like, oh, wait, wait, there's a note on here. We need to check the SI joint. Yep. And the SI joint is right where really my low. pain has been. It feels like there's a fucking deep knife in there. And yep. I just want to stick it. I want to stick a knife in and like wiggle it around. It's nerve, eh? Oh, worst. Yeah. And then um, the results came back and she's like, yep, it's exactly what I thought. There's a five millimeter bulge into the SI joint. So half a centimeter compressing so my how nerve. Can you, yeah. How can you fix that? So they've missed that for like 11 years. I'm like, <laughs> so all so your fucking so frustrating, eh? So frustrating, man. And, and so now? So now she's been uh, treating me lots of um, – Traction. Yep. So um, trying to create separation in the joint. Yeah. Yep. And and it's just strengthening exercises like clams and glutes and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And I haven't been, touch wood, in too much pain, even after a big drinking night yep. in the last sort of four or five weeks. There's been some really bad days, like the podcast day was pretty fucking sore. Yep. Yep. But that was a huge weekend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe one or two other bad days. But she's found it and she had the same thing. Hers was nine mil and she got it down back down to two mil. Yeah. So fingers crossed. Shout out to Jade. Uh, yeah, well done. It was Jade. Oh, really? At, at Health Central. Yeah. Did you give me the Fuck. McKenzie's protocol to try and help with that? Like a lot of extending through there and that. Uh, uh, she has she said, stuff for that. Yeah, she said to do some McKenzie's from memory, but I haven't yeah. been doing those ones. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. But that's that's and like drinking obviously will flare it up. Yeah, yeah. drinking makes uh, it fucked. Way worse. Like just, I've got arthritis. That's why I just cool. do math now. We'll finish uh, soon because I, I need to leave to yep. go do something. But yep. um, just got. quickly, you were talking about oh yeah, no, no, you, you go, were talking yeah. about uh, like the holding water weight with the creatine. Yep. So I've noticed, and I guess this is because your body dehydrates. Yep. Maybe overnight, does it? Yeah, like you obviously yeah, you're not drinking throughout the night, and so you, that's why you, they, you know, breakfast is called breakfast because you're breaking a fast overnight. So, so even so, when I wake up in the morning, I'll you see yourself in the mirror and you're like, oh sweet, like how good's this? And I won't, I'll be on a fasting day yep. and I'll just be drinking water, and by the end of the day, I still have a belly or like. Is, so what's that water weight and what's the how do like? So how do you avoid that? people can fluctuate. I can fluctuate two or three kilos in a day mm-hmm. just by if I'm eating carbohydrates in a particular day, I'm generally a bit more bloated. You, mm-hmm. can, like you, see, you can actually see a physical mass change yes. by the end of the day because yeah. you've taken on carbohydrates. If you're taking on fluid, yeah. um, obviously there's, um, like I said, to store carbohydrate, you need three grams of water. So, mm-hmm. um, But if you're depleting, like generally that's why bodybuilders, they won't, they'll consume lots of carbohydrates, but they won't drink water because mm. they want to be full, but they want to look shredded. They don't want to look swollen. Mm. They want to look big, but shredded. That's why... They'll eat lots of carbohydrates leading into a bodybuilding show. Um, they won't drink much water. They'll have like those water loading things and mm-hmm. then they'll just don't drink water in the day and they're, they're, they're shredded, right? Yeah. But if you start consuming heaps of water, you just start blowing up because you mm. start pulling water into the cell. Yeah. It's going to get a swollen look. So 
but you're saying that by the end of the day of a fast, even like well, I'm still drinking water, I guess. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'll be fasting. I won't eat. And um, yep. so, like, uh, yeah, even today, oh, no, I had a banana today, but yep. um, yeah, it doesn't matter what yep. it is. And, I've, and so lose. it's just the water, eh? Yeah, it's just water weight. Like, you're not going to lose, like, heaps of body fat in one day from not eating food. Mm. Like, it, it But takes, it's it's significant. Like, I'll, even sideways, it'll yep. look like I'm yeah. fucking got a That's bloating, big, though. Yeah, that's the bloating. That's the way your, your body and your it's, stomach and your gut bacteria. Yeah, so, so is that Gut health is so important, man. Like, gut health talks to the brain. There's all this, like, it's... There's a lot of um, good research out there talking about gut health, but yeah. gut health can affect how you feel, your emotions. It obviously oh, yeah. there's, a, there's a there's a connection between brain and gut. Yeah. Um, so if you're not eating good foods, that can sort of throw your emotions off as well. It's like when you don't train for like th- when I don't train for three days, I just get moody. I'm like, what yeah. moody? Like, yeah, uh, I haven't I haven't exercised for a couple mm-hmm. of days. That's probably why. Um, so yeah, there's there's these things. All these things are so intertwined. That's why I hate when people sit there and go, it's it's just this. Like mm. it's, it's just calories in. Cal- no, it's mm. not. It's there is so much more to it than well, you your, think. Your body's a system. Yeah, yeah. You, it's your a very respiratory complex. system doesn't work on its own. Yeah. Your your blood doesn't work on its own. Everything yeah. works together. So you can't. You can so, focus yeah, yeah. on some areas and, and improve it. But so like if you do like a keto diet, right? And you wanted to stop eating carbohydrates because you can survive with that. Any carbohydrates. Mm-hmm. You were big on this the last yeah, two, so I, two years ago. I, I was like, so keto is very extreme. Like it's not something that many people are going to try. If you're doing like an endurance event, I wouldn't recommend keto to anyone. Mm-hmm. I've unless, done it before. Unless you're really like, okay, I understand why. This is my long-term health choice. This is what I'm going to do. It's, mm-hmm. it's very hard to do. I've like measured blood every morning for like six months. I've got like ketos. So it's, be- it's the best I've ever felt. Yeah. You've, I mean, you ever. feel great and you're, you're very months. lean, yeah. but- can you sustain that for the rest of your life? Look, I think you're having like periodized nutrition where you're eating carbohydrates when you need them mm-hmm. um, and they're eating fats majority of the time. Um, but then going back to my original point, which I've sort of got sidetracked on, um, oh, just so what were we talking about a second ago? Gut health systems oh, working together, yeah. blo- bloating. Um, I've lost my train of thought here. That's all right. Um, all yeah, right. I can't remember what I was talking about. I can't remember the point where I was going with that point. Um, but yeah, like going back to the carbohydrate stuff. Water weight. Water weight's bloating, then um, gut health, systems working together, your brain communicating with your stomach. Oh, yes, that's going back to, yeah. So if you if you deplete carbohydrates out of your system, your liver still needs glycogen to feed your brain. Because if you run out of liver glycogen, you're dead. Your brain's no longer getting the, so you need sugar for the brain, right? Okay. So, but your body will produce glucose through ketones. That's why people go to ketosis. So, yep. but your body's got like a natural savior response says you're never going to run out of liver glycogen Mm -hmm. because if you run out of liver glycogen your brain stops getting messages and you and you're dead so yeah um that's why you can have and you don't need to eat carbohydrates to survive you can you survive without them no worries Mm -hmm. but if your job is to in you know do high intense exercise and perform well and you need to have them around training of course as well Mm. so yeah it's interesting stuff it's very complex though yeah Um, you had a a final question did you yeah it was more about um running with injuries um and specific like i always feel that my achilles are rock hard and rock solid yep um is there a correct technique or is every person different because you got hill strikers toe strike like my mate brownie who's just an insane Distance athlete mm. like Dean Brown. He's, he's a freak. He's a he was at freak. West Perth uh, in a year. Fucking freak, man. But yeah, okay. he, he reckons you run on your toes and your cadence, like high cadence on your toes. Yep. For better. But that doesn't, that feels weird for me. It doesn't feel normal. It feels Natural, like I'm yeah. working harder to mm. go like that. Yeah. So look, there's definitely a more efficient running pattern. So everyone has their own sort of like normal gait, right? Mm. But there's definitely more efficient running patterns. And running like four foot to mid foot is where you want to be. 
you don't want to be running sort of like heel striking, landing your foot way out in front because mm. then you put like a bit of a braking. So if you're landing your foot way out in front, you put a braking force on. Mm. So, and then that requires a lot more energy to try and overcome that. You want to try and ma- maintain momentum. So the foot landing under the body so you can maintain your pace is great. Um, but yeah, your cadence, there's like an optimal cadence of around 180 steps per minute. Mm-hmm. But obviously if you're short or tall, that's going to change. So it's not exactly yeah. that particular number. But um, yeah, running techniques is a funny one because – if, if you do it slowly, like there's some people out there with some terrible running. Have you seen those people running on the coast? You're like, how is this dude, <laughs> dude, yeah. dude running? And like, sometimes yeah. they'll run past you. You're like, yeah. how is this dude running past me right now? He's like, feet are sprayed out to the side. Yeah. And, yeah. But that's probably from years and years, his body's just adapted to that way of running. But yeah. there's definitely better ways to run and having a more midfoot strike is, is going to yeah. be way more my efficient. Achilles blow up and I don't know if it's my shoes or it's my running style. It's probably shoes, running style and probably hip position as well. So like I was talking to an athlete at the footy club last night about, you know, sort of like trying to reduce sort of hamstring strains. Mm. You want to get your hip into a better position. So if you've got this big anterior tilt or big dump in your hip where mm-hmm. your hip bones are pointing down towards the ground more, yep. um, your hamstrings are put on length. So they're put on stretch. So now they're working a lot more than they have to be at all certain times. And then that resonates down to the calf mm. and down into the Achilles and into the plantar fascia. So people yeah. have plantar fascia, calf issues, Achilles issues. Generally, you, I would just go straight to their hips mm. and go, what, are the, what is the hip doing when they're running? Uh, can we get them into a better position? So you would try- This is, this is like this is all you. me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, try and strengthen anterior chain. So you want to try and encourage like a posterior tilt, like rib cage down. So the rib cage and pelvis position is very important. So if I'm standing up and I've got my hand on my chest and my hand on my hip, if my rib cage is tilting upwards, mm. I now put myself into this anterior tilt. I'm trying to run. So now my hamstrings, yeah. calves, Achilles are now- And what will be your scaps stress. as well? Because I feel like my scaps fucking- Well, if you, if you so like purposely trying to retract mm. them and get them into a certain position, you're probably mm. exacerbating the issue. Yeah. So for me, it's like to increase hamstring mobility and offload calves, you want to think about strengthening the anterior chain. So strengthening the abs. Anterior means front. Front, yeah, right. front. Yeah. Um, loosen off your quads, loosen your quads off mm-hmm. because obviously if they're tight, they pull on the pelvis and they pull the pelvis down into that anterior tilt. Mm. So you want to try and like mobilize hips, mobilize quads um, and that will hopefully offload over time. It'll offload those areas. So the consistency. Build, building relation hips. Yes. With yourself. Okay, I'm going to yeah. definitely listen back to that bit again because uh, that's that hugely relates to me. Do you yeah. have a recommended shoe that, that for your average punter? Like I've, I've I hear so much conflicting. Yeah, like look, barefoot running is great, but it's very dangerous if you're not yeah. don't know what you're doing. So barefoot running is fantastic. You've got your Vibram shoes, very minimal sole. You would progress those over a very long period of time. Um, what are they made by? Gingers. That's a very minimal sole. <laughs> yeah, very minimal sole. I love South Park. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then like, but for your average day running, you definitely want to have a, a shoe that, I have like five pairs of running shoes. I have yeah, like yeah. my race day shoe. I've got a, like a high volume shoe, which has thick padding. So when yeah. I do my long runs, I'm wearing the long padding. Cause it's, it's Would just that be your zone twos? Because yeah, zone yeah. twos. Like you generally right. go for longer for your zone twos because they're a little bit easier. So you can generally go longer. Mm. So zone yeah, twos. Yeah, my hockers that I got for the run are fucking. <laughs> oh, they're like running on clouds, yeah, mate. Like, yeah. You might as well strap pillows to your feet and run with that's, pillows. That's, that's how much that feels like, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's incredible. They're, if you, the goal is to keep running and you don't want to injure, you don't want to try and be more efficient, then yeah, wear a hocker because they're very slow. They're very comfortable. They're not going to give you sort of that sort of stress response in your ankles and your foot. Okay, I might um, have to buy some. I bought $300 Nikes, man, and they're fucking killing my Oh, body. I can't stand it. Well, Nikes are – they're not made for wide foot. So mm. I can't wear Nikes at yeah, all because my foot's foot. very wide and I get that crampy sort of feeling in the middle mm-hmm. of my foot. Mm-hmm. So for me, like my favorite shoes at the moment is the um, the New Balance – like the, sorry, the Tempo. Yeah. Um, so the Brooks – sorry, the Brooks Hyperion Tempo. Mm-hmm. That's a great running shoe, really light. You want a light shoe as well on yeah. your foot. You don't want those heavy – I've yeah, bought heavy ones. Clunky, like you – just don't feel good. 
So I race with the carbon fiber ones. Um, and then on my long, slow runs, it's the thick, thicker padding. Um, and then on my short ones, I wear very minimal sole. Mm. So for my short, so I want to develop calf stiffness, tendon stiffness, which you get from, because if you run in a very soft, heel yeah, yeah. it encourages a heel strike it wants you to put your heel down first mm. So mm. that's the downside to those but if you're not too concerned about how you run and you just want to get to the distance then um, definitely running in a, a thick sole shoe was going to help obviously with breakdown and things like that as well so okay. I can't help but feel like I'm turning into a dad if I wear Brooks on New Balance so. yeah. <laughs> Mate, New Balance are the best though. I, I'm the same I for, for how they feel I love them. Everyone loves Nike because uh, it's a good brand. Obviously, it's a very well-known brand. Yeah. Um, but if you have a wide foot, they don't really suit. Yeah, I've got the wide yeah, foot. So that's wide. why New Balance and sorry, that's why Brooks are good because I actually have a wide sole shoe. Yeah, okay. That's why yeah. I run in it. And I've worn the Vaporfly Nikes, and my feet just hurt the entire time. Yeah. So and like yeah. that's day one. Day two, I put on the Brooks, and I'm great. Like yep. no problems whatsoever. So if anyone wants to buy, I've barely worn brand new pair of Nikes. It cost yeah. me three hundred bucks. <laughs> Hit me yeah. up, and now four hundred dollars. I sell them to you for a hundred bucks. Yeah. They're fucking. Um, they're a good shoe. I've worn them about fuck fifteen times. I reckon. <laughs> okay, cool. So, I do yeah. have to go, so that's right. it. But um, that's been a fucking awesome, um, Thanks, Mr. Green. pretty informative podcast for a lot of people I think so yeah we touched on a few topics there I so. think we covered everything we sort of wanted to everything and but now exercise got like, through apps yeah. yeah but I've got like another 10 things so yeah, yeah. you can come on anytime mate. This so is, if you want um, I've got like a immune support um, spreadsheet or PDF document I've just done so if yeah. you want that you can just email me um, which we'll put in the show notes yes does, yes. It, re- um, does it recommend the booster no half of our uh, audience just tuned out when you said that yeah so just email me with yarn immunity so yarn immunity and I'll give you like this sort of immunity sort of template which gives you some supplements and stuff you can sort of take cool if you're an athlete taking supplements make sure it's HASA tested or informed sport tested don't take anything else you Um, won't be fucking playing sport yeah so you are responsible for what goes into your body no matter what anyone says you are responsible so um, if you want that I'm happy to flick that through that's what Joseph tried telling Mary but uh, <laughs> she flamed <laughs> someone else. All right. Thanks so much for coming on, Corey. Cheers, brothers, guys. Appreciate it. Right. Welcome to Hard Yarns Podcast. I am fucking fat. <laughs> <laughs> Anything Chris White says, please <laughs> disregard it. 5D is actually a state of being. It's a unity consciousness. That was Hard Yarns with me, Frankie Rose. So I'm going to throw it over to your co-host. Daniel Delby. And Cameron Brand. I would do this and then I'd gong. <laughs> Free in attendance for the millions listening at home. <laughs> <laughs>